Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Mad Mamluks. I'm Mahin and I'm joined by my co-host, Sim, and a special co-host today, Irfan. So Irfan is Sim's brother and he is joining us today because we will be discussing the show Resurrection Ertrugo. A few weeks ago, we put a survey out on Facebook um, asking just to get a feedback of how much of our listenership was listening to watching the show. And we got a pretty good feedback. I think about 600 replies and 40% had said they had watched the show. And on top of that, we had saw on Twitter, Dr. Muhammad Gilan, who's one of our uh, you know, more popular guests, was talking about doing a show. So we were like, hey, man, let's just do a show together. So Dr. Gilan is also joining us. So, Muhammad, uh, welcome back. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum. I thought we were going to get Mort as well on this. Yeah, unfortunately, Mort, uh, he's not going to be on uh, uh, the Madman Luke's uh, for a while. Uh, there's There's yeah, been right? some... Uh, some situations happening, uh, you know, from previous episodes that, uh, um, wait, what's going on? Someone's at the door. Yeah, yeah, some folks are saying that he's, like, racist or whatever, but, you know. <laughs> but we, we had to, like, kind of, you know, listenership was getting a little upset, but someone's here. Oh, okay. Hey, what up, guys? Yo! What's Mark? up, man? Hey, it's on, what's up? I, I heard some people trying to get me off the show. What up, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Speak of the devil. Okay. Uh, well, uh... It's supposed to be a karama. How did you know we were recording? <laughs> you know, it's just karama, you know? I don't know. You, you found out on the WhatsApp. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I've been uh, stalking you guys, you know? You can't get me off the show. I'm going to be here forever. <laughs> you can't get me off, guys. I guess, well, since you're already here. <laughs> well, more, we're talking about the uh, recent show uh, that we're all watching called Arthurul. And uh, we have Dr. Gilan on the show, okay. who's uh, also a huge fan of the show as well. And uh, hopefully uh, we can... Uh, talk about some of our experiences with the show and kind of share it with the listeners and not ruin any anything about the show as well. Awesome. So people who haven't watched the show and have watched the show will uh, enjoy the show as well. So well, how did everybody get in, into the show? So, Muhammad, I want to ask you first. You're the busiest guy here. You know, <laughs> you know, you're in medical school and doing all this stuff. I understand. Have you complete? Are you done with all four seasons? The the fourth season is. Is is currently running right now. It it hasn't finished yet. Okay, so you're but well, you're caught like up seven though. Episodes into it. Okay, well, are you caught up? Oh yeah. How did you find my my wife got really upset? Like a lot of her, I'm sure a lot of the guys here will say that you know because other than Mort, the rest of us all have are married with kids, and yeah. like I was just literally blowing off like house responsibilities, like chores and stuff. And I'm only on episode like one thirteen total, like season two, episode thirty something. And like, okay. I, I don't know, how are you getting through all the shows? Did you start like way in advance? Have you been following the show since it came out? No, I, I started following the show, uh, when I first moved to Australia. Uh, one of the, some of the brothers here that I knew, uh, one of them, um, that kind of, uh, welcomed me into the, to the city and showed me around and helped me out, Ahmed. Um, him and his wife were watching the show and they're like, did you watch, uh, you know, and in Arabic they say Arturul. In Turkish, I think they pronounce it Arturul. Yeah, Arturul. And I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a show." And I'm not into this stuff. Like, especially when they say Turkish series, I'm like, "Ah, I don't care." Like, Turkish series, especially for Arabs who know about the the culture about um, uh, with regards to TV watching in, in Arab households. Turkish series are like the bane of men's existence. They usually break 
like one of them uh, broke families apart <laughs> because the guy was so good looking and he was so amazing that the wives were asking their husbands to be like the uh, actor. You know, so, it's funny you said that because one of my friends, he's in uh, Palestine right now. He's also a, a huge uh, Arthur Rule fan and the Mad Mamluks fan. And he yeah. says uh, he was in the OR room and he was recording a bunch of doctors working on a patient or I don't know if they were actually doing surgery, but they yeah. literally have Arthur playing in the background while performing a surgery. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I, Ahmed was, uh, told me about this and he's, and I'm like, I'm not into this stuff. I don't like these series. They're usually just flimsy, like romantic dramas or whatever. And even the last one, uh, the, I think the title of it was the magnificent Sultan or something. Yeah. Um, in Arabic is translated Harima Sultan, which was, it basically put, uh, the Ottomans in a very bad light, like womanizers and whatnot. So I'm not into this stuff, but Ahmed was like, trust me, you really got to watch this. I didn't know it was a series. I thought it was a movie because the first episode was two hours. I was like, oh, it's a movie. I'll give it a shot. I'll watch it. So I watched the first episode. I'm like, it's not over. This is because I just got into it. I was like, this is actually a series, two hours. I've never heard of this. Yeah. So I just, uh, and it was, um, it was about a couple of weeks before the start of medical school that I, and I had just moved into my apartment and just, you know, barely getting things set up. I just went to town. I would like, I just put everything on pause. I stopped writing. I <laughs> it's stopped so good. for furniture. I stopped like, I know this has never happened to me before. That's like, <laughs> it's out of my character, but that's how amazing the series is. Yeah. Uh, even, even with Umar, you know, this was like a huge thing in Ramadan a few Ramadans ago. Yeah. Right. Umar al-Khattab series, like 30 episodes and everybody was excited. But I was excited about that episode, that series. And I used to look forward to it, but it didn't give me hooked like yeah. this one did. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I just sat for two weeks and it was like uh, more than a full-time job, man. I would get up in the morning <laughs> after my prayers in the gym. I would just sit, have breakfast, and just start watching. And it was like one after another, after another, after another. I was like, this is my only chance to do this because once school starts, I'm not going to be able to do it. Bro, our, so, our father, our father, me and Sim, he has never, never in our 30-some years of knowing him has ever sat there and watched a TV show. And Not a single Indian not movie? Not a single Indian movie, not a Bollywood movie, not a Hollywood movie, nothing. He got hooked. I got him hooked, and he was just like he was asking me to like, hey, configure the laptop so I can watch season three. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pirating season three at my parents' house and, and watching it because uh, see, for the listeners who don't know, Netflix uh, has season one and two broken up uh, into uh, several episodes, but you can get season one and two on on Netflix, but season three is not on Netflix yet, so. Hence, uh, you would have to kind of go through other means to access yeah. it. And uh, if anyone wants to know, you can message me on Twitter at the Mad Mom Looks, and I'll the show you how to get it. The thing about this show, though, is that it's you can watch it with a family. Like it's not like you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a weird show. Like everyone, it, it has something for everybody. Yeah. But here's yeah. one thing, though. I think a lot of people from uh, from like Asian backgrounds can kind of relate a little bit to the show because a lot of their culture comes from this large... Like You see a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. like we're from Hyderabad, me and my brother Fan here. Yeah. Um, mm. And more. And, um, yeah, more yeah, as well. Yeah, my mom... Yeah, we go there. And uh, when we were watching the show, there's so many similarities because Hyderabad has a huge or very strong historical relationship with 
the uh, with the Turks and uh, yeah. with the Uthmani Khilafat, and mm. they. Uh, I think even what was the Nizam had married yeah, one of the Nilofer, the, the, bra- one of the Ottoman yeah princess. one of the princesses yeah of, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. but not, not only that but even the Mughal Empire itself their custom tradition it, it, all the mannerisms all, yeah it all came from them like yeah. hiding your sickness the and whole stuff like that process, it's all yeah. uh, the, the way they dealt with each other the family structure yeah. the hierarchy all of that is still carried on till today and, and you know even till today when I walk past uh, some Hyderabadi uncles. Um, in the masjid or whatever, I put my hand on my chest uh, just to ah. say salam, you know, and yeah. uh, and you see that all the time during the show, and th- I I always wondered why I did that, but it was something that was kind of you know yeah. taught through through culturally, but it came in from the Turks, you know, so it was kind of yeah. cool. Mashallah. So now the guys walking around saying Allah. Yeah, we <laughs> say Allah in the house now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, apparently <laughs> Sim's mom called him Ulubilgi. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah, she did uh, because of my bald head. Anyone who's seen season two will will encounter Ili <laughs> yeah. Bilge. Just to, uh, just to describe the show, this show is so entertaining, and that my my mom when she first saw the show, she was scared of it. She was like, "What is all this? You know, I I'm not comfortable with the fighting, right?" And then yeah. she got nightmare. She got a nightmare. Like, oh no, no, I can't watch this. But then it's like crack. She's like. I gotta watch the next episode. I gotta watch the next episode. And she got hooked. And she was like, I'm so scared of it, but I gotta watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons why I was so passionate about this show is because it did what, what the, a lot of the other Islamic shows couldn't do, like the message or the Omar series. You know, things the like that. The problem with the other shows, I'll tell you, yeah. the, 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 maybe just to set the stage for some of the viewers uh, or the people who haven't watched it yet. The problem with the other Islamic shows is um, uh, they're designed to just basically continue uh, spreading the message in an abstract sense. Right. There's not really much of like a day-to-day life living. The reason is people are, oh, it's two hours, so I didn't watch it. It's actually it needs to be two hours for you to sense the realism because the character people, development, like, the little mannerisms, the little things like you're actually living with them. That's why it hooks you in. The sacrifice, yeah, dude. Like I, you know? I'm so engulfed. Like I, honestly, I feel like I know Ertrul. Like that's my <laughs> right. he's my like, boy. Ba- like Bamzi and like Turgut, they're like my homeboys. Like, I'm not walking <laughs> yeah. with them, you know. Like I know how they behave. Yeah, and also I think for me, even like Muhammad, you pointed this out, like I think on Twitter that like I actually feel like spiritual benefit from watching this show, even though like some people have said that like Ibn Arabi's character is completely like historically inaccurate, but we we can get into that a little bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but but in general, but I I think it's just when you see when you see people have 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 honor and like dignity and like Izza, yeah, right, right, right. you know, me me and my kids, we when we're watching the show. My kids end up like when Ibn Arabi goes and starts making dua for, you know, anyone gets an injury or the state of the Muslim ummah at that time. Um, you know, my, my kids raise their arms and they start making dua with me, you know? Oh, wow. I don't let them watch every episode yeah. because some of the themes are a little bit, you know, um, for more mature audiences, like some of the torture that yeah. happens and things. But generally my, my kids, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty well or conditioned for. Desensitized. Yeah, desensitized for a lot of this <laughs> kind of violence because they're, yeah. I'm kind of crazy. Well, even like the that. violence that they show is not gory violence and it's not, you know, like they, they're very blurry. clever. The producers and the director are very clever in how they film the violence. Yeah. Um, but the series itself is uh, just maybe somebody needs to get into a little bit because uh, people don't, the way the series starts out, you don't really get a back backdrop. Yeah, you know? yeah. So can you do that? Track. 
Well, maybe Irfan knows a bit more, but okay. from what I understand is that the Ka- the, the Kaye tribe, uh, the, when all of these Turkish tribes were actually trying to uh, escape the Mo- the Mughal uh, hordes. All of the yeah, the migrations okay. that you see, the the second season, the first season, they're fighting the Crusaders. This is not going to burn it for people, just to get like the plot of it. The first season, they're fighting the Crusaders in Anatolia. The second season, they're fighting the Mughals. The third season, they're fighting the Byzantine uh, Crusaders. And then the fourth season, he's still going about uh, with the Byzantine uh, Crusaders. And you don't really get a sense of like, what's going on? Why are they always looking for a place to settle? Why are they always migrating? And, and the reason for it is because they were actually trying to escape the encroachment from the Mughals from the east as they were coming through. So the first episode, they're talking about going to Halab and to try to go closer to the Ayyubid um, uh, rulers so that they can get a little bit of uh, more... Um, green grass and for their uh, for their sheep and to have a bit uh, uh, more sustenance and whatnot. Just to pause you there, the Ayyubids are right now being ruled by Salahuddin's grandson. Yes. Al-Aziz is his yeah. grandson. So Al-Din, that's yeah. for when, when the listeners come to that uh, part of the show that they can kind of wait, wait, before, take before some satisfaction. There, though, I just want to let people know that the before we get into the modern Kai tribe, like he mentioned real quickly though, these people came from like far east like they came from like the altai mountains so a lot of the people in the regions they're tribes even though they're different groups that we know them today but they're genetic ancestors of each other so there's they're known to be very tough people very nomadic people they're step people right so they had a very rough life they lived around they would go wherever they could gain sustenance where their, their crop where their animals could graze and where they could essentially yeah. um you know survive and they came from very harsh conditions and that played instrumental in the way they view things like some of the language you see in the show like you know may the sun not burn your skin may you know may yeah. you come back like water or go like water these references have to do with the environment they came from right like may the cold not weather your face things like this because they grew up in very harsh ideas so when they were going to places like Halib they were expecting to have like green grass and sunny weather and like a paradise almost right because they had a very tough time in these mountains and the whole idea was in their theology or their mythology is when when they left these mountains their Uz Khan their, 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 their you know mythological ancestor is the one that actually said, okay, go down from these mountains and, you know, conquer the other lands. And so they would go down and they would try to find, and their whole idea was to spread justice and, like, you know, equality and, and also reign over it, right? Yeah. And so yeah. this continues on till now, right? Basically, they think, oh, we are the ancestors of Oz Khan and we're, we're going to be, we're from the Altai Mountains, but we come out here to find sustenance. And so it kind of goes with the whole idea of what the, why they're roaming around the entire area. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, like... And, uh, you, what you actually just did, Mort, is actually giving a commentary on a hadith because the Prophet Sallallahu warned against warned the Arabs against the Turks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's a hadith that the Prophet Sallallahu said uh, about the Habasha and the Turks. He's like, دَعُوا الْحَبَشَ مَا وَدَّعُوكُمْ وَتْرُكُوا التُّرْكَ مَا تَرَكُوكُمْ He's like, leave the, leave the Ethiopians, as long as they leave you alone, leave them alone, don't mess with them. And leave the Turks alone and don't mess with them. And in the commentary on, these, on this hadith, the scholars are saying it's because of the environment these two, two peoples have lived in. The Arabs are not used to that. And so if they try to go toe-to-toe with them, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, the the Turks accepted Islam indirectly. Like uh, yeah. right now, okay, just so the, the listeners understand the, the state, the, the political, the sociopolitical state of the of the 12th century, uh, right now there's the Seljuk Empire, which is a, it is a Muslim empire. It is a, uh, it's an empire that has a lot of Persian elements. 
Okay, and it's only probably like 200 years old. They've only accepted Islam. It's pretty relatively young. Yeah, around um, the 1000s, the uh, Turkmen people started being referred to as Muslims. So, 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 so the way it worshippers. works, the, the, the Seljuks are basically, the, the, I had to look it up because I don't know the name, the Kainik, they call, what's they call them? They're, they're a branch of the Oud Khan, right? So they actually invaded into Persia. Yeah. And while being in Persia, they accepted Islam. Okay, and then from there is where they established the Seljuk dynasty, yeah. right? And so this is where we are. So we, now we have the Seljuk Empire, which is kind of on the decline because of the Mongol invasions, okay? And then uh, then we have the Arabs who are completely divided in the south, right? Yeah. And then we have the Abbasid Khilafat. In Egypt. Yeah, no, no. In uh, Baghdad. The, in Baghdad, who's Baghdad. being torn apart yeah. by the Mongols as well. So, so I think at yeah. this point, the Abbasid, like the Khilafah there was only a symbolic one. They really didn't have power. Yeah, anymore. yeah. They didn't have real power at that right. point. Right. It was just a symbolic thing that they had a, a like a, a symbolic allegiance to the head of the uh, the Abbasids. But right. Well, in reality, they really had no control over over. <laughs> there were individual state heads that were kind of had bayat bay to. You, you had sultans, right? That were the actual power structures, and then you had the Khalif that would still get the bayat. He would still get the tax. Because that's part of the fiqh. You have to give the tax money to the uh, khalif. But then they would just kind of take it back. And from my reading was that this was on and off again relationship where some of the khalifs would, uh, would re-energize their position and they would go out into the battlefield and they would, you know, uh, gather up the armies and they would build, establish a power structure for themselves. And then when they would die, the child would not want that responsibility, and he would just go back to uh, Baghdad, uh, or and he would say, you know, you know what, you sultans, you uh, you go ahead and take care. Yeah, of so it. so it was on again, off again. Right. So coming to the time where we are right on the show, uh, and this is going back to what Sim was talking about was the Mongols had basically just ravaged over. Like everything, like they, they, like yeah, they take over yeah. Persia basically. No, I mean this goes back to the stories of when, like you know, we know the famous story of Baghdad, where they savaged, where they, you know, like they ravaged the entire place, and for like two weeks yeah. they were there, and they just conquered. They took yeah, over. and I think that happens during Arthur's lifetime. I was yeah. hoping that they would make some references during the show to things that are happening in the rest of the Muslim world, but they don't. Um, they don't. Yeah, yeah, that would have been kind of fun if they the, talked about what was happening. The things in the Muslim world are very vague. Like it's you know it's all divided. They're not united. There's a lot of traitors. That's it, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So before, uh, so I don't think we mentioned like who is Ertugrul? Like right? Like he is as that's not a spoiler, okay. right? Well, Everyone knows that, right? Yeah, Ertugrul is the son of Suleiman Shah. Suleiman Shah is a, considered like the George Washington. The Mahatma Gandhi of the Turks. I don't know how else to describe him, but he is kind of the the father of what we see uh, of the Turks right now. So it's so much so that they have his grave in Aleppo, Halab, Syria, and Turkish guards are guarding that grave twenty four seven. That's considered Actually, Turkish property. That's funny that that area became a hot topic recently because. Daesh mm-hmm. actually had taken control of that area, and the Turks were like, "We're not gonna leave that grave site." Yeah. So they actually they actually had to send in Turkish armies to yeah. reinforcement to the Turkish troops that were guarding that grave. Right. And rumor has it that Suleiman Shah died on the way back 
when they were trying to go when they were go, when, the, when they went to go be in Halab and they couldn't they didn't want to stay there um you know they uh, on the way you know in that journey is when he actually died in a river like he died actually you know um it kind of referenced that in the show but that actually did happen they weren't sure how exactly he died either he drowned or he died for whatever reason but it was actually by a riverbank and so it's kind of where he his mausoleum is actually by one of those areas right so i thought okay i thought cuz Suleiman Shah always is referring to like the Ogles truck like you know uh, Ogles yeah so is aren't they the founder why is he the considered the founder of the he Turks he is one of the uh, descendant of the Oghuz Khan. So, like, I mean, that all these little, like, Turkic tribes yeah. are descendants of Oghuz Khan. The Khagan, they call them, okay? Mm-hmm. So, they descend yeah. from, they're all related to each other. But he's, like, the one that actually is, like, he has, he's known for his justice. He's known for his fairness. He's known for his equality. And so, he's seen as, like, a, a, like a leader among all the bays. Like yeah, all, he, all the bays. He kind of made up a religion as well. Yeah, it's, so. not, it's not even just it's just about his character. He was a very commanding, very respectable person. Even the Sultan Aladdin had recognized his importance in that region. Sultan Aladdin is by by the way for listeners who haven't watched the show, he's the current uh, Sultan. leader or su- Sultan of the uh, Seljuk Empire. Yeah. So yeah. um, and so that's why he's an important part. So that leads on to Ertuğrul, which is who is his son, and um. The interesting part is these Turkmen's have a, a culture of sending their, their like their fighters out at young ages to become like train the mountains. Right? They have to survive and be in the mountains. So Ertarul is one of these Alps. They call them Alps. And so they become trained in these mountains in the rush. This goes back to what we were talking about, the harsh conditions of surviving among the wolves and the bears and fending for yourself, right? Becoming very tough. And like it's kind of how the Arabs used to send them out to the Bedouins. When right. they were born, they would send them out mm-hmm. to the Bedouins so you make them very tough. And that's what they did with the with these Alps. And so Ertarul is the son of Suleiman Shah and he indirectly inherits like the 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 leadership of the Kai tribe. Okay, meaning it wasn't his goal, but he takes it. Okay, and it passed on to him. And in in and in, in history, it just happens that way. And his son is his third son is Usman, and Usman is the the, the what they call the founder of the Adolat Uthmaniyya, the Ottoman Empire. Doctor Khan, do you know the story of a dream that Usman has and with his teacher, and that like uh, it. That's where the crescent flag, the Turkish crescent flag, comes from. No, I haven't heard that one. Okay, so what happens is uh, Arturul's son Usman, right? He's uh, he's sleeping. He's on a he's on a visit to his teacher, and he's sleeping in his room, and he sees the Quran uh, hanging from a wire, and the Quran is bound by this leather strap that it's supposed to keep it closed, but the leather strap is broken. Okay. So this is a Quran. They used to hang them from the ceiling so that their arms don't get tired while they're uh, reading the Quran. So um, he's uh, he's reading uh, this Quran. He uh, he doesn't want the Quran to be dangling in the air with the pages fluttering, and the leather binding on it is broken. So he's like, I'd rather sit all night and I'd read it. So he's reading it, and as he's reading it, he falls asleep. Now when he falls asleep, he gets a dream. He gets a dream that um, the sun. Or sorry, the moon plunges into his heart and out of his heart grows this oak tree that covers the entire sky from the east to the west. So he wakes up, he's frightened, he calls for his teacher and his teacher and he tells his teacher what's going on. You know, I had this dream. It was very frightening, this and that. And he goes, your dream means that you're going to marry my daughter. 
and she's going to bear you a child whose power and reign and authority will reign supreme all the way from the east to the west. So mm-hmm. that moon that falls into his um, chest, which is like their oral tradition, the Turkish oral tradition, this, these poems that they used to make um, about these dreams and whatnot, that moon is like symbolic of Usman's power, that Usman is the child that 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 grows from the the chest of uh, Arthurul and uh, his his reign is going to be supreme over the east and west so if a lot of people ask in you know Islamic history where did this crescent and moon come from this concept that was the yeah, earliest i could trace it to interesting cuz that dream comes up in um that the dream you described they incorporated into the show uh with Arturo himself yeah 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 Yes. That's that's pretty cool. That's it is because cool. the it's dream is this big oak tree and it's like just massive and his father is actually in the dream in the show and he tells him like you yeah. know and he doesn't tell him but you could just see the symbolism. Yeah. That, and he's all oral tradition so some of it's off he, there's different counts. He presents to him the son that he's going to have. Yeah. In that dream it's pretty cool. So yeah. the Kai tribes are they like already part of the Seljuk there's Empire? There's one Kai tribe. The Kai tribe, yeah. yeah. Are, are they already part of the Seljuk Empire? Yeah, they, they have. Yeah, they have an affiliation. They have like a, a tribute to them, meaning that they they have agreed to be under their command. Okay, so yeah. let's let's talk about a couple of themes. Uh, I think uh, the first one we we should touch on is um, good examples of this are the maybe the relationship between Ertugrul and Gundogul, who is his older brother, right? And Sim was talking about what you, pragmatism versus practical. Was it Pr- principalist? Principalist, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ex- explain what you mean by that. Well, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed from the show was uh, Arturul is a very staunch principalist. And I think Dr. Gilan could explain this much better than I can. But um, wh- when you see these two brothers, butt heads, Arturul and his brother Gundodu, they have two completely different approaches. And there's many people who will say, you know, Gundodu, they're, they're, they're essentially Gundodu at, at heart. And they can see where he's coming from in terms of him wanting to keep the tribe together. The, the the unity is the most important thing, and we, you know we should um, look for the greater good in things. And you know, very uh, utilitarian, pragmatic. Yeah, pragmatic. He's willing approaches. to compromise on principles. So uh, I don't know if you caught that element of the show, Doctor Gilan. Well, Gundodo's approach to life in general is. It's very terrestrial. Let's just stay away from danger. Let's not, you know, even if it means that we're going to have to, you know, um, step on a principle or two uh, for the sake of uh, just having, saving our livelihood and not uh, butting heads with any rulers or any, you know, brigands or any crusaders or whatever um, so that we can just make sure that the tribe stays safe. So he's always after safety. He's always after sustenance. Um, he's always after, let's just, um, his thinking is always about, uh, economics. It's about just what's right for the tribe. Uh, there's really no higher calling. Gundodo doesn't really, if you, if you follow his character, he's not after higher callings. Ortoro, on the other hand, his behavior, I, I love this scene from, I think it was in the first or second episode, um, where his, uh, cause after he saves, uh, the first episode he saves, uh, what, who's gonna be his wife. And her brother and father. And uh, his mom, because that, that puts him into big trouble. I'm not going to try to burn this, but he, he's talking to his mother. And his mother, said, he asks her, did I throw my tribe into the fire? And 
this is one of the beautiful things about the show. His mother says, yeah, you did. You threw the tribe into the fire. But did you know that Allah was going to send you that deer that you, that you saw that basically was the facilitation for you to save these people? Um, did you know that? Uh, and then she gives him an analogy saying that the fire, you can put uh, bread comes out of fire and ash comes out of fire. And it depends on who goes into the fire, what comes out, bread or ash. And so being thrown into the fire is not a bad thing, is what she's trying to tell him. And so she kind of assures him this way. She's like a spiritual, people talk about Ibn Arabi in the show, but his mother is a very strong spiritual presence for him as well. And she reminds him from time to time about his principles and to stand up for them no matter what. Um, so Gundodo, I didn't like his character, to be honest, just because of what he stood for. It, it seemed right. very terrestrial, very just, you know, short-term goals. Let's right from the sure right from the tribes. beginning, he wanted to, uh, you know, abandon their tribe's tradition of of uh, holding a guest, and just because this yeah. is not a spoiler, I mean, from, this from is not the, a spoiler for anyone who's watching. But he he, he right in the first couple episodes, uh, he's ready to throw them out of the the tribe because they're causing problems. Well, what I noticed from the beginning was, I mean, you saw that his eye was in the prize. Like he was the older one, so he thought he was going to become bay of the tribe. Right, him and his wife yeah. both want that was their objective the whole time for a whole season. They're getting things planned for him to be. I mean, the whole idea, even for example, why they wanted Ertrul to marry Chukcho, I remember whatever her name was, Go right? Goche, yeah, <laughs> Chukcho, whatever her name was. <laughs> no, but I mean, Goche, man, Goche, bro, Goche, yeah, whatever her name is. Anyway, <laughs> she, you know, but I mean, that's the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like she wanted, they wanted her to marry for for their interest only. It wasn't like, oh, it's a good thing for the tribe. For it's only for you know um, his benefit. But one thing that uh, <clears throat> Muhammad Gilan just, just uh, touched on is if you notice the role that the women played in 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 the tribe, it's really interesting. It's kind of like they have their established role, but they but they still advise the men. And if you picked up on the show, it's a custom for their men to seek advice from their wives. Maybe not in public. But in private council, it's a custom of, of these Turkmens to actually do that, to take advice from their wife and counsel and find counsel in them. And their wives know not to do that in public, but they, they play a very active role in the, in, in, behind the scenes in terms of their husband gaining power or making the right decisions. And you find that throughout the entire episode, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I found it interesting that, so you're in season four now. I'm still in season two. Yeah. Gundogu has kind of grown on me a little bit. I do see a lot of like, you know, I think a lot of people in our community, like we're cautious, we're, you know, we're going to be a little bit more, you know, we'll watch our footsteps. I probably find myself similar like that too, right? I hated him, dude. I mean, what, what I what I thought about it was, you know, the approach that our communities take in the West, you know, people who want to work with politicians and, and lobbies mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, you get your hands dirty with, with people that are... Uh, you, you know, they're, they're dirty people. They're, they have, they don't yeah. necessarily have your best interest. You're, you're really, uh, they're, or even if they're giving you any attention, it's really for, uh, possible donations you've made to their campaign and things like that. These aren't yeah. people who are, you know, are, are people of dignity. They, they don't have well, honor. One major you know? thing that, uh, that you can pick up from the show across all four seasons, you see this theme repeating again and again. If your thinking is always going to be political, pragmatic type of thinking, you always end up somehow biting yourself, shooting yourself in the foot. The events go around and around and it comes back against you. Or Total, on the other hand, throughout the whole show and every season, he goes against this type of thinking. 
in stand for the sake of principles. He's always thinking about like what is just, what is what is right to do, no matter what, even if everybody stands against him. And sure enough, he always ends up coming back on top at the end of it. Even if it, if events get to such a point where it looks like he's about to lose everything, it still turns around for his for his benefit in the end of it. Who else do you know like that, Doctor Gillan? From history. Who else do I know like in history? Yeah, from from our religion. The only person is the Messenger of Allah. <laughs> of course, just... I just wanted to interject here. There is yeah. a part in the Sira where um, you have Banu Shaiban, Banu Nadir, and Banu Amr Thatha that yeah. offer pragmatic power-sharing deals to yeah. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Abu Bakr kind of hints to Rasulullah that Ya Rasulullah, why don't we accept their offer? You know, it's okay. You know, but Rasulullah says no. It means they did not accept the prophethood. They have to yeah. accept the prophethood with no conditions. And these guys yeah. were willing to fight and die for Rasulullah. They were willing so to conquer sad. all of the Hijaz, Banu Shaiban. They had trade with the Persians. They said on the condition that we don't trade with the Persians, we will, uh, that, that we don't fight the Persians. We'll fight for you. We'll die for you. We'll, uh, we're not asking anything in return. And, um, Abu Bakr was like, Ya Rasulullah, you know, they're offered didn't sound too bad. And Rasulullah was like, no, it meant, it means that they didn't accept the prophethood. Yeah. And and even that that's one example. The other example is uh, Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. Mm. Sulh al-Hudaybiyah, if you look at it from a limited pragmatic perspective, all the articles in it were going against, like the Muslims get nothing, basically. Yeah. One thing, there was just one article that the Prophet ﷺ cared about was, we can now call people to Islam without being harassed, persecuted, or you know attacked for it. The rest of it, fine. You guys, you, you can take our prisoners. Uh, if somebody comes to us, we'll return them back to you. Uh, we're not going to do the Umrah this year. We're not like, and the Sahaba were just, you know, the companions were so angry and they, to the point where they initially did not obey the command to slaughter their sheep. True. I they mean, I think at one point, it. even in that, in that, in that, after that agreement was made, I think at one point, even Omar bin Khattab almost drew his sword. Like, he's like, are we not, you know, are, are we not going to like, are we not uh, on the hook? Yeah. He regretted yeah. that for the rest of his life. We should yeah, but sure. that, that's then, the example. They always use the pragmatists in our community use Hudaybiyah yeah. as you know the main example or you know more main reason though? why. It was funny is that even during that situation because the Prophet understood how upset that the Sahaba were, especially Umar bin Khattab. And I, I, to the point where, um, where Umar radiallahu almost drew his sword um, saying, you know, aren't we upon haq? Why can't we go? You know, Allah is our, our protector. You know, why can't we go? Yeah. And the prophet actually got angry almost, and he slapped his thigh. He said, "This wasn't my will," meaning it, it was wahi to him that he it was ilham that he had to do that. Yeah. And so, to, what that what that shows us is traditionally you don't be you don't make those deals, right? You don't do that. But there was hikmah in behind that, and Allah had commanded Rasulullah to do that. You know, in, in through revelation, oh, and so generally they were making that sacrifice because in 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 Allah's you know wisdom, infinite wisdom, He knew that they would break the contract. Right. They, they would end up. It would be in the favor of the Muslim. They would have a justified reason to now ha- have a, have a, a legitimate quarrel with not Quraysh, just right? that. Like you, they finally. This was the final. That was the agreement that finally stopped the 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 violence and the propaganda that. He saw Salam had to go against in order to call people to Islam. By the time that this happened, now it's open game. And it was, why did Allah call it uh, Amul Fatih? And he revealed a surah that's like, this is the surah of opening. It's finally you get an opening now. Mm-hmm. Now you can call people to Islam without being harassed, without, be, without fearing for your life. 
And that year alone, it's just so many different tribes just started to – because now they can finally hear the message. Yeah. Eventually, it just overtook. Right. You know, you, you, know you, you didn't need to take it with violence, what you could just take just by walking in. It also yeah. forced the Quraysh to recognize. That's what I was going to say. Was gonna that was the force. victory. A lot of people say the first victory of Islam was in Badr. But the, a lot of the ulama say oh. the first victory was at Hudaybiyah because uh, the fact yes. that they finally recognized the Muslims as an opposition, an, an entity, no, no, a complete so, party. Yes. They, had, they had the ability to be recognized as a legitimate opposition. Right yeah. beforehand, they would look at bandits and and uh, you know they would look at refugees and, and fugitives. Right, they won't look yeah. at as people who had actually collect who had the ability to be represented in front of them, and that's why oftentimes when they would talk to them, they would say, "Bring someone equal to us, bring someone like this," because they didn't recognize yeah. them as someone that was on their level. But now after this, it says, "Okay, now you're recognizing us." It's kind of like how the Israelis and the Palestinians, the Israelis don't recognize the Palestinians at all. Like, they don't even want to recognize yeah. them. At that moment, it's like, okay, now we're recognizing you as a party that can come to the table and, you know, make a deal with us. Not we're just that, them. you can do Umrah. Yeah. Well, later on. You were, yeah. first, first they called him a magician of words, right? This is a, a, yeah. a, a sahir, uh, of words. And now they're saying, oh, well, you know what? He's a, uh, legitimate prophet, but we don't recognize his prophecy, and he has the right to go do Umrah with yeah. his people. So, and also, it opened up the, uh, historically, it opened up Khaybar, uh, for yeah. Rasulullah. It allowed Rasulullah to deal with the situation at Khaybar, and he didn't have to worry about the Quraysh attacking him. It allowed him to allocate resources. And Khair, we know all the, uh, Tafsir Madhudi is very good on this. Uh, it gives you all a, a, a very good explanation. Many Tafsir do, but, those are some of the great points in but the the point that the point here with all of this is and this is a, a theme that's continuous throughout even to the fourth season there is a phrase that Arturo keeps repeating um, the translation in Arabic is is alhamla lana wa nasru min Allah that the campaign is from us so we do the actions but the actual victory that's from God that's not from us so there is this like the meaning of tawakkul you know, of all of the things that we try to teach and when we uh, go through the Aqidah classes and stuff, and it's all abstract, this series is really embodying all of these meanings in action. And you can see it happening. So Urturul, he shows you what tawakkul means. He goes to town in every campaign and everything that he does. He, he, he exhausts all possibilities that are materially you know, available to him True. until there is nothing left. True, but ultimately he just says it's Allah's business. He does what He wills, and sure enough, when He exhausts every possibility, then you find divine intervention coming in to help Him out. Yeah. And, and, and you know another theme of the Sira that you see continuously through the show is that after so much difficulty, you, you know, you get a victory. It's like uh, the saying, you know, uh, one step forward and then two steps back. You know. You yeah. get you, you yeah. get one big victory and then two blowbacks and then you get one big victory and then two things that set you back again, and that is continuing throughout the show and something that you see from the Sira as well from the Prophet the calm, you see, well, that's the calm the before the storm. The, the, but yeah. that's one of the signs of the prophethood that he would win some and he would lose some, right? I yeah. mean, this is one thing that they would know when when they would when they were wanting to inquire about the Prophet, they would say that he win all of his battles and he lose some of his battles, yeah. right? That they knew that by that sign that he will have some progress and have some setbacks right and it's right. the nature of how things go and w but one of the cool things is you also and when he pointed out was not only tawakkul but 
it's the focus on humbleness, meaning that Ertarul at one point, I mean, later on, progressively to the season, you see that he ha- he's in charge of, uh, I mean, as known like in the land as you know, people actually bandits are using his name because he's that well known, right? Like, but yeah. you don't see him walking around like arrogant and like you know, it's not about that. He's only about you know what's right, what's what's right and what's wrong. <sighs> Even if you guys might have caught this, but when somebody compliments somebody in the show. They don't just say, "Oh yeah, thanks, we're welcome." Right? They like, "Stafala, stafala." Right? They always yeah. say, they always yeah. use, even though they translate in Turkish, they tra- they translate it to mean, "Oh, you know, you're welcome." You know, no thanks. Or right? it's n- it's nothing. Yeah, it's That's nothing, it right? Means, but yeah. it's really astaghfirullah is what they're saying. Astaghfirullah, yeah. because they're trying to do away from from being yeah. arrogant and have kibber. You know, they're trying to say, "You know what? I don't want to be arrogant about this." Right? So it's kind of cool. These little the, and what's interesting is that this is part of their culture. It's not like they, that's why the, the Turks are translating it as the word, as like you know, don't worry about it. But this comes from the the the, the like the embodiment of not yeah. being arrogant, not being like that, right? It's kind of passed on now, but it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, there was one where he, um, uh, I'm not gonna say at which point, but one of his, uh, you know, enemies, he kills him. A major guy and um so one of his uh warriors he says like people are gonna mention your name you know Arturo Bay and stuff and he just checks them back and he just says we're not fighting for war booty we're not fighting to have our names being said to the to- on the tongues of people this is about Allah this is about justice it's not about any of us uh, being involved and he said to him he's like the second you start to think that this is about us we lose yeah. You know, that reminds me of uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, saying uh, in one of the books of the Hadith. There's a mention of a saying where he says, "You should not feel vic- You should not feel joy even after the victory. Like joy, the happiness in the heart that you won. Like yeah. the victory was from Allah. You didn't do anything. You just did your commandment. You did what was exactly. obligated to you. Be happy. You fulfilled your commandment. But the victory, the joy of the victory, that belongs to Allah, not to you. Yeah, and you actually see yeah. that." actually uh emphasized also by some of the enemies um i won't mention which one but in some of the enemy some of the enemies there's always we'll talk about the concept of being tra- traitors traitors is a, yeah. is a theme uh throughout the show um yeah. so one of the enemies they have you know brought in some turks flipped and they basically joined this enemy and the leader of this enemy was giving them all this money like kind of like seeing how and the people who like went for the money he just killed them right there. They're like, that's, yeah. you know, he tried to like bait it, like you can have all this money, this and that. And he could just, even the way they looked at the money, I think, they were like watching them. And mm-hmm. if you didn't want the money, then they were like, all right, well, you down, you down to, you know, just be part of our cause for the cause. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I, I thought that was you interesting too. You know what's interesting too. about that? There was one episode where Turtle takes over a major, like uh, a major find, right? And after he defeats his enemies and it was like so much gold and stuff. And uh, his his uh, compatriots, they're looking at it and they're like just amazed, like all the gold that they've just uh, you know took over. <laughs> and he looks at it with disgust. Right. Yeah. He says, "This is the money that they used to kill Muslims with." Awesome. Yeah. And he actually right? distributes that money like, back. Just the way he looks at the stuff is just—it's like, my God, I can't recommend this series enough for people because <laughs> it flips the switch for a lot of people. It has a perce- perception and perspective. On how to look at this world and dunya and life and to right. how to act about it, it's like a major corrective. You know, uh, one of my friends, uh, friends of a friend of a friend, you know, he was kind of uh, pooping on the show a little bit, saying, "Oh, you know, it's just a show with a bunch of guys running around saying Allah Akbar and screaming around with swords." 
this guy seems like he's a little bit polished, you know, yeah. and he's a very pragmatist type of guy. So, I mean, that was you know a, what? I actually watched an episode. I watched the interviews with the actors. Yeah, it's uh, Engine, the guy that does the right. uh, role for Turul. Uh, he was asked about what is the thing that you really got? Like, what's the most significant thing you got out of doing this role? You know, he actually rejected the role initially. Wow. He said that, and the reason he rejected it was because he said to do these roles justice, these are the hardest roles to act and to do it right. And secondly, when he was, uh, when he got the suit on and stuff and he's like, he wanted a real sword because he said, I want to feel like what Arturo actually felt. I want the weight of that sword to really feel like I'm in battle. And there is video, there are videos of all of these actors training on horseback riding, fighting and all of that stuff. And then there was another interview where they were all saying like the one thing that they gained out of doing these roles is mad respect for the predecessors because he said these people lived some really harsh lives and for them to accomplish what they accomplished in the conditions that they had, they could not grasp that before. And now that having gone through the experience, it's like a bunch of guys running around doing uh, just playing with swords, why don't you try it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it was like a, um, a, a, a thinly veiled stab at, you know, well, we're, we're done with those days. And, um, well, you know, I mean, these guys are the same guys who will watch Game of Thrones and they'll be completely fine with that. But now all yeah. of a sudden, because Muslims are carrying around swords saying Allahu Akbar, then now all of a sudden, oh my God, we're, we're going to look like terrorists in front of uh, our white friends. I had and somebody tweet at me. She's like, Oh, this is just propaganda for the Turkish government or whatever for Islam. It's not like, man, we're subjected to propaganda left, right, and center from all of these different ideologies. Yeah, I'm happy with our propaganda. I'm gonna be honest. I'm, bro, I, I, I love the show, dude. I love, I love the show. I love the fact that the guys are running out there swimming, swimming on the shore, saying Allahu Akbar, you know, like we're conquering land. I love that, dude. And to be honest, for me, out of everything, because a lot of the history stuff I know about it. It's just yeah. a huge morale booster. Like you get reminded of the history of the Islamic history in the past, and that, if for me, enough. It, yeah, it, man. It, Especially right now, it's well, a we, morale we just, booster because we, it reminds me. You know what? They sacrificed for us. Oh, like I mean, <clears throat> it's like you know what? We were great at one point. You know when when Trump says "Make America Great Again," I'm like, yo, <laughs> make the Muslims great again. You know, what I mean? like yeah. it's just what it is. You know, and I, and I think that these kinds of stories are in a great reminder of why the Muslims became great. You know what? You know these characters, um, the characteristics they possess, the the dedication they had to religion, the trusting. I mean, even though Ibn Arabi might have been a, a fabrication in the story, but the fact that that relationship between scholarship and and leaders was a one of not of you know like um, the, the scholars didn't get paid by the leaders to to tell them things, right? It was about mutual real yeah. advice about how you should be. You know, how to please Allah. Yeah, it was real sincere nasiha about how to, you know, um, do what's best for Islam and the Muslims in the Ummah. Not just oh, like, man, you know. There, uh, there was one, not to cut you off, there was one scene where Ibn Arabi, Arturo was so angry because he got like betrayed and he like some, some people died from his uh, warriors and stuff. And he was like, if I get a hold of these people, I'm going to make them pay. And he was just going off, right? So Ibn Arabi sitting there, it's like, Eulad. <laughs> He's like, boy. Like, you know, young man, it's like he just, he took the role of the fatherly figure and he's like, basically calm yourself down. You're dealing with Allah's decree at this point and your job is to do what you're commanded to do, but not to transgress Mm -hmm. and to take on the characteristics of oppressors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then Arabi has that. Or just takes it and he's like, all right, like, it's like a reminder. Right. Yeah. No, even Arabi has that, he always drops that line, like, the thing that protects us from death is fate. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so it's, so we got an Ibn Arabi. Can you explain a little bit about, um, what you know about him and as real life versus like what the show portrays him as? The relationship with Abdul Qadir Jalani and all that. Well, the, the show is taking a, a big, um, dramatic licensure to just, you know, license to not really be accurate with this. Cause from what I understand, Ibn Arabi, when he moved to Andal- from Andalus, he went to Damascus. He lived during the same period as Erturul, but there's no indication historically that they've ever met. Um, uh, his, the, the problem people have with Ibn Arabi has to do more with his theology and some of the statements that he made or they are attributed to him. Who knows if they're true or not? Um, and, uh, the Sufism that was portrayed in the first season, some of the dhikr and the maulids and the, and the, and the hadras that they have. Hmm. Uh, but that's really, that's, look, if you've been to Turkey, I've been to Turkey a few times. Um, and I, I, my family lives, my parents have property there. They go around, they go there all the time. And so just to, if you interact with the Turkish culture, Sufism is a massive influence on the way that religion is, um, is practiced and approached Islam specifically. So Rumi, Ibn Arabi, these figures are not controversial in Turkish culture. As far as I know, right. as far as I can tell, they're very, they're revered figures. Abdul Qadir Jilani, and so they, they're really looked up to. And so the way that they go about Islam, I remember, um, Stad Yahya wrote us, I don't know if you guys know who he is. Yes. Um, we were sitting one time in, uh, in, uh, in the Pearls of the Quran conference, and, um, Dr. Rajab was giving a talk, and the way that he described the transmission of the Sunnah, and described the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I'm sitting beside Stad Yahya, and Stad Yahya just says, oh, the Turks, just the way that they say things. <laughs> um, and it has to do with the way that Ibn Arabi is being portrayed in the show. It's they're trying to. This is another difference between Qiyamat or Tughrul or Dirilish and other Islamic uh, series. Spirituality is infused into the show and into the and and the way that they approach Islam and the way they interpret their behavior. It's not about just what is halal and what is haram, but is what is spiritually more beloved to Allah. In fact, there's one uh, one scene where um, somebody is getting executed, and Ibn Arabi makes a dua for him. Mm. Um, and this person was like a Turk. He was uh, one of the traitors. And Ibn Arabi makes a dua for the person and then looks away when the execution takes, uh, is happening. So there's this reminder in the show that even if you have this situation happen where you have traitors and you have people that betray you and stab you in the back and can compromise and have people die, uh, when you go about and, and execute justice, you should still have mercy along with that justice. So Ibn Arabi represents this kind of coming together of uh, of these aspects of Islam that you don't really see in other Islamic shows or even the way that we discuss Islamic abs- uh, uh, principles in the abstract realm. Um, but you, you, you don't see him too much in the show. So it's not, I don't know, I don't put too much emphasis on his role because it, it kind of dwindles away as the show goes on. Okay, I, I don't want to like digress here with this question, but so there's other show that people have like are also following uh, that we won't get into too much, but Yunus Amre, which is on yeah. uh, Netflix as well. And that's basically, is that, that's my understanding. That's just a show about the teacher, the Sheikh and the Murid relationship, kind of. I think you, you yes, ha- highlighted a little bit in one of your, on one of your podcasts. Um, is that more heavy or, cause like people, like, I think some people commented on our thread that like, well, watch Yunus Emre. It's more, they think it's more practical and relevant to us than Urtugrul, right? Um, I thought not the, at all. Uh, yeah. Not even close. With all due respect to the to Yunus Emre and like the show, 
they're on a whole different ball game. If you want Yunus Emre's, um, my problem with the show Yunus Emre, as you know, that has some beautiful teachings and a, there's some really great things to go about and and life lessons and whatnot. But on a practical level, like Islam to me is not this new age type of spiritual religion where you just kind of sit with the sheikh and that's all you do and you give up your post as a judge and um, you just start pursuing this spiritual. I mean, that's really what the show is premised on. Yunus Emre being a judge, falling in love with his sheikh and wanting to be his murid and then wanting to get enlightened by that. And you know what? Some people in the world, that's going to be the role in the world. And that's one thing that you learn from Qiyamat Urtughrul, which yeah. is amazing. That it's one of the lessons that they actually teach is that, which is something that we are lacking in, is that everybody in this world has a role to, to play. And your job is to play that role as perfectly as possible. And so what you find with uh, people that are in Ortogros camp, you don't find them seeking power for power's sake. You don't find them seeking leadership for leadership's sake. You don't find them wanting to become spiritual just for spirituality's sake. Everybody does their thing and perfects it. Yunus Imre, if people are saying that that's more relevant to us in the modern world, they're basically talking about abandoning their responsibilities abandoning everything to do with the world, abandoning the khilafah, which is, I'm not saying like the caliphate, I'm saying, khilafah in the Quranic sense, that you are a human being and you have a responsibility in this world. They're talking about abandoning all of that stuff and just engaging in, just going to some teke and just sit down and do dhikr and say, Allah, 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 hay, Allah, hay, and that's all you do. Yeah. That is not relevant to us. If you want something that makes Islam more practical, that you can see it in action. Ortogro um, is your show. I, I yeah. wouldn't really... And Yunus Emre as well, there is a, a, a number of elements in it that I find problematic. But that's another story. I don't yeah. want to digress. I mean, the, one of the main things about why we even started this show and, uh, you know, the, the naming of the show itself, the Mad Mamluks, was uh, hearkening back to the 12th century and its importance yeah. because of the 12th century being so chaotic to Muslims and how... Mm -hmm we got out of that mess right so and i think arthur really does that uh that analogy or makes that connection very real for us because the kai tribe that that is migrating is really trapped they're they're so trapped yeah. between i mean they have nowhere to go they go they, uh, by uh, they're all the way at the byzantine border essentially right and yeah. now they have literally nowhere to go and you have you're surrounded by enemies and now you have you better make this work so i i think right now i mean this week we just lost uh al quds right because uh, now america recognized uh, al quds as, as, as that's another issue i'm recording a podcast tonight yeah. about that we never lost jerusalem no we didn't that's... but what the, what what america is 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 the leader of the world in in the sense that even though we hear all these condemnations right now we're eventually no, going to see what happened is we now have people being upfront and not being hypocrites anymore. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Absolutely. I agree power. with you. And, yes. And, and that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that, that perspective, but, but just from, um, it shows our character itself in, in this moment too, you know? I mean, we know like symbolically or in, at least in reality, we've uh, lost Al-Quds a long time ago, but. Yeah. Uh, what we know is that the reaction from the the symbolic take, you know, and the uh, the reaction Symbolism that we as Muslims do. 
Yeah, symbolism is important, but you know what? I, there's a lot of problems with the way that we're reacting to what happened with Al-Quds. And um, the reaction, there's actually a lesson in the reaction, which is our reaction is the reason why we don't have Al-Quds. The reactions that we have yeah. is the reason why we don't have Al-Quds. And I'll get into that. I don't want to burn my own episode now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but so. uh, yeah, that's – but if you look back at what Rotoro is doing and if you want to talk about practicality, I mean – one of the things that they mentioned in the show, and uh, there was a, a story that uh, Ibn Arabi says early on, um, where he talks about this this young man. He's uh, he's a carpenter, and he builds up uh, like a pulpit, and it was like the most beautiful pulpit. People are seeing it and they want to buy it from him, and he's like, "Nope, I'm not selling this one." And there's like, "This is the most amazing thing you've ever created." He's like, "I've created this one for Al Masjid Al Aqsa." And they said, well, how? How are you going to create it for Masjid Al-Aqsa? It's with the Crusaders because that's who was controlling it at the time. Mm. And uh, Ibn Arabi says the carpenter responded. He's like, I'm a carpenter. I can build a pulpit. I'm building the pulpit for the next leader from the Muslims who's going to be the leader who's going to take back Al-Aqsa. So I'm going to do my task and build this pulpit as best as I can. And sure enough, that's what Salah al-Din was born uh, in that time. Right. So that's, I mean, if you look at the way that the show is constructed, it's it's really bringing, um, a, a, it's it's constructed in, with the understanding of a, a holistic collective society with different elements. I mean, Arturo even talks about like we need merchants, we need physicians, we need uh, farmers, we need like all of these people are coming together. And he's like, sure enough, we're not, we don't know much about the economics. We're not good with trade. We're not good with uh, farming, but we will hire the right people to do that task and we will do our job. And the way that he talks about all of this, it's never about him. It's yeah. always about like it's all of us together. This is about us. Um, there's even a secret handshake you guys will come across uh, as you get uh, further into the episode where the there's a, a kind of a guardianship that uh, Ortodo works with. And the way that they, when they meet, because they, they don't all know each other. And the way that they know each other is by giving this kind of secret greeting to each other. And one of the statements in the greeting is like, what are you after? And uh, the response is uh, the whole world. Yeah. So what kind of influence do you see this have like um, ha having on current uh, the, the Turkish people today? Um, obviously, it sounds like a, <laughs> I've actually, actually been that you asked that. Yeah, go ahead. The name or total. If you look at the names, the Turkish baby names. The name or total, this show came out in 2014. There is an uptick. There's a graph showing an uptick of Ortogrol. <laughs> oh, wow, Spanla. People are naming their babies Ortogrol now. Um, uh, it, so there's a couple of articles that I, I came across that you know, people share and stuff. And one of them was from the, the New York Times. And this guy is basically just trashing on the show because he's saying that it's propaganda for islamists in turkey and Erdogan, and because it's it's aired on trt1 which is a state-run uh channel yeah and it's the highest or total is the highest rated show in turkey wow in its history ever I mean, sultan or i mean uh, or the one he came on uh, the set anyways you know what i mean he came he came and that they said that actually affirms the because there's a lot of conspiracy theories about Erdogan and like it's all about the propaganda and he's just trying to use the show and stuff and finance the show and he goes to the set and and he even plays the music. Erdogan now when he meets world, world leaders when they come to Ankara, yeah, the yeah. band plays Ortodos music. Yeah, I've heard that. That's epic. It's a little bit different. That song's a little bit different. Actually, this this show was done in a in a, in a play before. 
It, it, the whole concept was actually a stage performance. And so that original ah. song is actually from that stage. And that's the song that he plays when he's foreign dignitaries. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, and so he's, he's, and he even says, and I mean, they were, um, it's big. There are videos on YouTube. They're hilarious to watch yeah. of Turkish, just people in their homes watching the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, the and it's hilarious because you see these elders, man. You see these like guys with long white beards getting up in front of the TV and like screaming and saying stuff. Ta'ali yar and all of that stuff. And, like, <laughs> it's hilarious. To there is like a huge – because uh, Turkey has been transformed ever since Erdogan got in. And um, religion has taken a, a much more primary role for people than it has before because it was being suppressed before. I, so, I I heard he fired one of the executives at TRT uh, when the TRT was at, when the executive was asked, "Oh, do you watch the show by some uh, news media outlet?" He's like, "No, I don't." And then uh, he was fired abruptly. But you know what? <laughs> no, no, no. You know when I was I, reaching I don't know out if to that's a- true or not? But what I know is that they were insulted. Uh, the actors that there was an award show, and the actors and the crew they won the award. Because at first they tried to doctorate and not to get them to try to you know mess with it, but it was just too overwhelming, and they won the award for best show or best series or something. Yeah. So they got up on stage, they were insulted and mocked by the presenter, and then they weren't allowed to even speak and thank people or anything like that. So the director who got the or the producer who got the award, he returned it to them. Oh wow. He's like, we don't we don't want this. If that's like, who cares? Mm. You know, it's not about you. This is a Turkish award show that happened. Yeah, this is at a Turkish award show. You can find a, a clip on YouTube of them being not being allowed to speak on stage. Wow. So be, before we had this episode, I actually reached out to a couple of historians that were from Turkey are, and are currently residing in Turkey, hope, hoping to have them on a, with you as a guest. And, yeah. uh, you know, I received cold responses, you know, well, some re- people didn't even bother to respond. So I was wondering, like, you know, they I speak feel English. Like, Maybe they don't speak English, or they just have a negative view of Arturo, or they're ghoulinists. Well, look, the bottom yeah. line is there's people that uh, – the people that like Ataturk don't like Arturo, Arturo right. right? They don't like Asuri. Oh, they hate it, yeah. It's a secularist versus – Because the Ataturk – because see, if Taru is the one that gave these – I mean, I mean, this whole thing, this Islamic identity is based on this whole quest that Arturo yeah. was on, yeah. right? And yeah. Ataturk is saying, no, we were great before Islam and we had our own Turkmen ways and we were all, we were different. We were noble before Islam. And Similar Islam. to how the Persians are yeah. with, their, with their identity. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's yeah. why they don't like him. And to be honest, um, but the reason why I was going to say this is because um, when there was a recent attempt at a at a coup of, over, over Erdogan, right? I guarantee yeah. you this show played a big part in how some of these people rose up because there were people like old men who put who donned their old ottoman uniform like 90 year old men yeah. and wow. stood in front of tanks yeah and they gave right i mean and that is the Uthmanli. like i mean that's like the, the symbol you know what i mean on their yeah. chest like they had like their, their badges and their, all the different badges displayed in patches right and that's how yeah. deep of a sense of love they have for that history and i don't blame them dude i mean like these are your ancestors like they came from a, a, a totally wild land, like, I mean, a barren land. They came here, they settled it, and they, you know, the. Well, it's from your aqidah. No, not, not only that. Would anybody have recognized you as a country without the Ottoman Empire? 
Yeah. It would have been impossible yeah. that uh, the Turkey would ever been a nation that would have been recognized around the world without the Ottoman Empire. Oh right? yeah, without a doubt. They even talk talk about that and to show that you know uh, the Turkish the Turkish nature is the they're very jealous among each other, tribal tribal jealousies among each other have always caused them disunity. If you think about it, Turkey shouldn't just be uh, Turkey. It should be encompass Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Tajikistan, yeah. all these countries. Yeah. They're all Turkic. Identity, they they all should be yeah. one country. If you really think about it, based on ethnicity, right? I mean, to this day, I remember when I went to Prague a few years back. Um, just uh, there was a, a, a tour group that I went uh, with that day, and on a day, and they showed us one of the uh, one of the major landmarks there. Um, they had this lar- uh, tower that a lot of people like to go and have the, if they're having their weddings there. They take their pictures underneath it, and the tower had a clock. And then underneath the clock, there were four symbols of things that the Eastern Europeans were afraid of. One of them was uh, a, a, a skeleton, because that was death to them. Hmm. I think, if I remember correctly, the second one was uh, a figure, which they said that was the Jew, because to them that was like the money launderer, the money whatever. So it's an anti-Semitic symbol. The third one was a Turkish soldier. Wow. And then nice. they showed us another mural, an old one, and they said, and it, in it, again, Turkish soldiers, like Ottomans. And I remember the tour guide saying that this was one of the major things that they were afraid of. They were always afraid of the Turks making a decision because that really all that it hinged on. They could not hold them back if the Turks decided, the Ottomans decided that we're going to take you now. So mm-hmm. they have a very rich history of this, and they're very proud of it. Um, and so this show is doing a lot of that. If you just look at, if you just follow some of the articles and some of the videos that people have posted, and they're very proud of the show. They're just, it's got such a following. I just can't get enough of that video of just random people just watching the show, and some people with a sword even watching, and like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So talk about little. There's a concept of uh, traitors throughout, right? Um, Sometimes it's material. I, I, I'm at a part of the series where one of the traitors is saying it's justified kind of because it's for the greater good of the state. Um, you know, do you think that's overdone a little bit or is that because it seems like every time you look, there's like a traitor somewhere and there's multiple well, at the same time. Uh, all you, you know? have to do is look at the Arab world right now, honestly, and like you'll see that you probably think, oh, it's not it's underdone in the show. <laughs> And then also, what about the, um, I think the other theme is, like, obeying those in leadership, um, you know, where Ertugel sometimes comes across as that he doesn't necessarily buy into what the head, of, even when Suleiman Shah was around, he, he doesn't really necessarily always agree with, with his father, um, so to speak. Um, but then, you know, you, you see him kind of l- l- later agree to, you know, obey the, the leadership. Uh, you know, do you think that's a pretty nuanced view of how um, it's, it should be? Or? He's not. What you find, what he does in the show is he will. Um, he never goes against if it if what he's being commanded to do does not go against principles. Yeah. Once it goes against established principles, theologically or for their uh, customs, that's when you uh, and for the sake of. Uh, Weakness, because that's what Gundodo represents to me. It's just weakness in the face of what you think is overwhelming odds and the desire for just, you know, get what you can while you can without losing much. Uh, once he sees that you're acting like that, 
you'll find him that he will try to give you um, – he tries that with his – he does it with his father and he does it even with Gondodo in, in the second season when Gondodo is uh, being elected to be the leader. He tries to give them the power. He's like just – you know, he tries to give them motivational speeches like, you know, stand up for your – stand up for this. You know, you don't have to give up. You don't have to capitulate to whoever. Just do the right thing and he, he always put, insists on that. Um, but when it comes to leadership, he's very concerned about – they're all concerned about breaking apart and stuff. But to him, and you'll find it, this, this is not going to be that much of a burn for people, but he will break the Kai tribe at the end of the second season. Yeah. Um, for the sake of that, they will split apart. And historically, I mean, sometimes I get so excited when I'm watching the show. Yeah. If something happens and there's a cliffhanger, I go online and I search the heck out of it to find out like, <laughs> this person really die. Did this person really live? Yeah. Did this happen? I did so, that. Um, I, 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 we I, all, I, yeah, we so all did one that. Thing, one thing, I, and it's cool you brought that up because um, if you look at, maybe the, the exact details of the stories are kind of not exactly true, but um, like, but the characters that are, that they, the names they use are real people. And if you were to Google um, these individuals, and historically you'll find actual, that these people really exist in history. Uh, the I mean, people the way are real portrayed... and the roles are real, by the way. So anybody that you see in the show that is being portrayed as a treasonous person, historically that was a treasonous person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Hamid, did you, did you go to, uh, did you go to Hungary as well while you were in Prague? No, I never got a chance. So I was in Hungary for three months and uh, I don't know if you probably know this as well too, but, um, you know, the Ottomans had control of Turkey for a long time. Right, um, for a pretty for hungry, yeah. Uh, Suleiman yeah. the Magnificent actually had uh, control of it. Um, yeah, but there's and and there's Turks everywhere in 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 Hungary, Budapest. But um, wow. it's sad. But a lot of them are are kind of uh, uh, like they're, they're kind of secular in a way. You know what I mean? They're not really yeah. they kind of lost their identity. But yeah. um, there's an area there uh, where they have a mausoleum for a guy they call Gul Baba. And he's like this famous, uh, like um, Ottoman, like spiritual advisor. And um, oh, and mashallah. He, uh, yeah, and, but the thing is, um, his mausoleum. They didn't. The, the 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 Hungarian government didn't really want it. You know, they're very anti-Islamic. Uh, a lot of them are. Um, so of are. that area actually <laughs> still remains as sovereign property of 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 of, of Turkey. So they actually really, it. yeah. Yep. Wow. It's in Budapest. Yeah. It's called Gul Baba, the mausoleum of Gul Baba. Now I got to go see that. Yeah. So oh, the other wow. question someone made, if they're not familiar with the show, is if Osman is the founder of the Ottoman Empire, why not just do the show about him? Like, why do you think it was important to start with Ertugrul? I think uh, it's important to start with him because we all need to get out of the mindset of needing to see validation of our efforts in this world. So if you look at Osman, Osman Ghazi, when he established the Ottoman Empire, he built it on a foundation that was started off by his father and his grandfather. Yeah. Um, now, if you look at Ortogoro throughout the show when he's building, he's not building, he's not waiting to see the results of what he's building. That's why he says, you know, the campaign is from us and the victory is from God. He's always concerned with, I got to do the right thing no matter what. And so he just continues to do it. And he reaps some of the fruits of what he's uh, accomplished and the things that he's done. But he, and he knows that in the, down the road, in the future, this is going to be a great thing. And that's the goal he's working for. 
but he's not he doesn't need that validation for his ego so there's actually a second um, there's talk now I don't know if it's definitely going to happen or not but there's talk that there's going to be a Dirilish Osman yeah yeah I heard about that no, you know what's crazy though that there's there's a little bit of a of a cool reference here. There's a point in the show where he actually has to move into Anatolia, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of resistance about when yeah. he has to move in there from his people. Uh, yeah. and I kind of liken that moment to when Abu Bakr after the the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam died, um, and that command of you know, going to, um, you know, to, to actually engage the Persians, right, and the Romans, right, and continue that battlefront was something that seemed totally out of sync. It was whack for them because they're, they're yeah. just dealing with this, they're dealing with the wars of Aridda, apostasy, and all these things. But yet he's like, you know what, I am going to uh, do that, you know, no matter what. And this is kind of like Eterul's resolve that, you know, we have to go to this land you know we're not we're, we're gonna go there and we have an objective we have a mission and i don't care who's with me i'll go alone like yeah. like i said you know i'll go there myself by myself if i have to but i'm gonna go there and that's kind of that conviction that Erturul has when he goes we decides to make a decision and go and i think a lot of the people um around the Kai tribe and the neighboring tribe they see that conviction even the alps that were that were um loyal to other uh, Bays, they saw that conviction and, and, and kind of said, you know, we're going to ride with, with El Tarul because we see that, we see that it's for the greater good. It's not just like some kind of, you know, um, uh, just temporary, like, you know, just ruling over this little area and we're going to have money and food. It's about, you know, something greater than what they were. And I think that's why they, they, they rode with him over there. And it's kind of cool how that, how that parallel is there in the show too. Yeah. Actually, one of my There's favorite. amazing part ahead. about, uh, the way that the Alps also and El Tarul do, do things. Um, the way that a lot of other shows, Islamic, even preachers, and the way that we discuss martyrdom, the yeah. way that they talk about martyrdom is different. It's qualitatively different. Yeah. Um, they're not trying to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when they go fight, they're fighting and they're, they're, they want to go back to their families. They want to go back to Halima and they want to go back to their wives and they want to like, nobody's looking to die. But at the same time, they have this acceptance that a very plausible and very honorable thing that could happen is the shahada, is the martyrdom. The way that a lot of other shows portray and a lot of other preachers talk about shahada and martyrdom in Islam, they talk about it as if it's something that you're see actively seeking, like you're trying to die. Yeah, yeah. I saw that everyone saying "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah" before they die. Right? Everyone's like, all yeah. the, all the true good guys are like uttering those words before they die. Right, <laughs> and it's crazy because. Yeah. Sometimes they have something to say about somebody who backstabbed them or all that, but they're still they 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 forsake that to say the shahada. Well, even the tra yeah. even one of the traitors when he's been executed, I, and I like that oh, touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was and it was. I think it may have been the same one that Muhammad mentioned where Ibn Arabi makes the law for him. Um, yeah, yeah. But I remember he he like I like that he actually said the shahada. Well, yeah, they gave yeah. him yeah. Well, no, no. Even the the, the traitors who want power. They're not uh, they, like you find them hating crusaders and you find them hating um, things that are you know foreign oh. to religion because they're they're in it for power. They that they're power hungry, but that doesn't mean that they're siding I'm so with. Glad you brought this up because yeah. I, I was gonna forget. There's a big thing about this show. Everybody uses religious rhetoric. If you notice, yeah, even the, the traders do, or total does. Everybody does. They're all using the same kind of language. So one big lesson from this show that 
viewers can get from it is you don't pay attention to the rhetoric. Pay attention to the consequences and the actions of, of the people. <laughs> if they're after money and power and things, you'll see a lot of division, a lot of people dying around them, a lot of just chaos. If they're after what Urturul is after, which is justice, uh, establishing God's word, all of that, you'll find people gravitate to that person and you'll find order. You'll find prosperity with that individual. You'll find benefit to the society. So there's, there's a, a shift of focus, like it, if you, for the careful viewer, if you just kind of pay attention, you'll see that the rhetoric is very similar. You'll have even traitors will say the shahada when they're dying. Many of them will talk about justice as well, the traitors themselves. But then look at their behavior. Their behavior has nothing to do with Islam or the rhetoric that they're portraying. I want, I want to um, just touch base on something about Mahin mentioned that you had referred to Ibn al-Arabi in the show making dua for the uh, traitor when he recites the Shahada. Yeah. So this reminded me of when in uh, Surah Yunus, when the people of Musa, salam, they make dua to Allah SWT, don't make us a witness against them. And yeah. that was, subhanAllah, blew my mind. Like, the yeah. the pureness of Islam is that we don't want anyone to go to hellfire. Not even yeah. our enemy. There's these people, after Firon is chasing them, they're making dua to Allah SWT, oh Allah, don't make us a witness against them. Yeah. SubhanAllah. There are a lot of things in the show that I, I wish people would read the seerah, read the Quran, do a khatam first, um, and then uh, and, and study some fiqh before, and then you'll see a lot of things pop out at you. But read the seerah, because you'll see a lot of parallels from the seerah being re rehashed out, but in Arturo's life. Similar incidents and the response that he gives to it is very prophetic. Even you'll find, like, even just little things about, like, it's right. They're using the show to teach people how to do wudu and tayammum. I don't know if you guys picked on that mm -hmm. or not. I didn't see which yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Seen that. yeah. They're, I, like, I, they're showing like orthodox and like they're showing doing the full wudu yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, uh, you, you actually the see them focus on qiyam al layl, like people who pray at late night. Like you know uh, all the important moments. Even the people that uh, seem like they have a weird intention, they're at night. And they're like making the uh, just make me do the right thing, make me do the right thing. You know, the, 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 there's a scene where Gundugu like made a mistake. He did something he shouldn't have done, and yeah. his mother corrected. And, and uh, he started. He, he picked up a a, a tasbih and started doing dhikr. Yeah, and yeah. Then he actually falls asleep. He falls asleep. Yeah, his mom With, walks in yeah. and she's and, and 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 she sees the tasbih in his hand while he's sleeping. And I think in the reaction from her face, you can kind of tell that yeah, it kind of like, changes her. Attitude towards him. It's like he's making istikhar, you know, when, right. he, when he was doing yeah. that, you know. But this is the cool thing he brought up. But one of the, the really cool things is in the show, I think this is whether you read the seerah or you have no knowledge of it or, the, the, you know, the, the and you don't know too much about Islamic history. I think the one takeaway is when you watch the show, uh, it gives you a sense of pride of being a Muslim. You know what I mean? Like, especially in today's time when you hear so much negativity, like, you yeah. know, you'll find a lot of people say, oh, you know, the Muslims were so barbaric in the past and they were so, they were so barbaric in the past and they did all these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, and, and but, but this is the kind of a, a, a time in history where you can look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, they might have, they might have had mistakes like any human being, 
but their general intention was good and they did accomplish and Allah rewarded them for that good. Like, I mean, yeah. the Ottoman Empire was no joke. Like, this was talking about 900 years almost of, of rule yeah. over, yeah, I mean, this is a huge empire that expanded from east to west. You know what I mean? Like, and they, generally, yes, I'm, of course, we can find, you know, some negative things like in any empire, but in general, it was founded upon an intention of, of doing something good. And I think that in itself should be a morale booster for Muslims today. Like we can, you can pull yourself out of a hole. You literally can. This is what they did. They were literally in a hole. They had nowhere to go. They had no sustenance. They, they, people were trying to, you know, plot against them from every angle, from within them, from outside them. Yeah. And they pulled themselves out of this hole because of a man that had a vision and who basically stood up for what he believed in. Yeah, morale booster not only – you talked about in like a dunyui sense but also in a spiritual sense. You yeah. see – we talked about traitors, right? Yeah. And there's some yeah. folks that are kind of traitors from the beginning. You see them as traitors from the get-go and then some flip. They were like good guys and then they – Yeah, For they the circumstances, just like they lose their way. But you also see people um, who, you know, for example, are like devils. Like really like That's you hate sh- them. Sh- sh- like right? yeah, I, yeah. I remember um, – she just changed. It's like a different person. I was like, and I was like, yeah. that was like a real like. I w- 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 she is brilliant. I, so what she's, are you saying? As an actress, she's brilliant because she managed to do that flip and make you just be on her side 100. percent Yeah, and yeah. when she flipped, I was like crying, and you felt bad for her. Like really, like, like seriously, oh, man. You know, what yeah, I mean? like, I, we, everyone hated her, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, dude, so. I, want, I personally want her to die. Bro. I'm like, <laughs> you, you just need to like just step off, like jump off a cliff and be gone already, dude. Like, but but it's like even one of the one of the crusaders, he ends up like joining the you know joining the most you know. He like repent, like he repents, and you see that story. You see, you know, yeah. you just see it, it, it's so so like heartwarming. I think you see that yeah. happening. Uh, so I well, think it just shows you that you should never give up on anybody as long as they're alive, right? Um, the the most evil of people can turn. I mean, we have that in the in the hadith and in the tradition and all of that. Like the person who killed ninety nine people, a serial killer, you know, kills yeah. off the hundredth and still gets accepted for his repentance. Yeah. So Muhammad, that, you know, that can happen. You know what's really cool too about this though? I noticed is that um, the focus, uh, you know, in 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 old like in ancient Arabia as well too. This is a big thing, but your word meant something. Like even the yeah. kuffar and even the Muslims in, in here, they're even the tra- like they when someone says something, you see, you you would think like um, they're easily deceived, right? <laughs> But they're not. Yeah. It's just that the fact that they believe the world, like they, they, the words are everything, right? And so if you say something, they can't challenge it. It's like, no, he said he's innocent. He said he didn't do it, right? And so you, they honor that, right? And although it may lead yeah. to harm to them later on, but the fact that they put such an emphasis, like word is bond, you know what I mean? Like my word is yeah. bond. And, and and that's common among the Arabs in the past as well too, which is similar yeah. to kind of like how the Muslims, you know, grew up in 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 the past. But this this is a similar thing within within this show too that you know your word means everything. You can't go back on it. Yeah, it's like this one where he's like he hates them. He's an enemy of their of theirs. They have a poisoning situation. He's like, I you know what? Like I hate you guys. You are my enemies from now on. I wish you were never here. Um, but I'm not the one who did it. You know. Like, yeah. I, if I want to kill you, I'll kill you with my sword. I'm not going to kill you with a poison. Yeah. Um, even though he's being punched and just, you know, uh, they're trying to interrogate him if, if he did the poisoning. Yeah. Like, so they had this honor about them that nowadays you don't really find much of it. Right. True. So, Muhammad, is there any other themes that you wanted to touch on um, on the show that we may have missed? <sighs> just trying to think. It's uh, it's really hard to for, to not burn it for people because yeah. it's 
Just yeah. watch it. You know? just, just watch yeah, it. My, my just biggest... Watch thing. Okay. I, uh, just repeat like something I said at the start. It is... Yeah, it is two hours long each episode. I, you know... And On Netflix, it's broken up, though. Um, yeah, Netflix, yeah, Netflix is 45 minutes. Up into 40 minutes, 45 minutes. But you can't just watch one at a time either. Honestly, you don't feel it though. Like, you really don't yeah, feel it that thing. long. You don't feel it. The, the reason it's the reason two hours is worth it for this one is because they, they, the realism that they give to the show. Yeah. Um, and, and I really like the fact that there, you know, yeah, there are some karamat here and there that you see happening, right? Yeah. Some miracles that take place, but, the way that they're trying to teach Muslims about how our spirituality is conducted and how we view these things is that don't expect a miracle if you haven't done the work. Yeah. My biggest you know takeaway, I mean? like, my biggest takeaway of the, of the show was my benefit is in pleasing Allah according to the text, not in yeah. thinking what is good for me. You know, I yes. might think that that financial trade might be a good deal and I might. Uh, make a lot of money and stand to gain a lot from it. But if it is not pleasing to Allah, my creator, then it is not in my benefit and not in my interest. Yeah. And that's how well, I should align my thinking. My two big takeaways from the show is just the real, if, if, if any, if everything that I've written and talked about and said, if I were to, if I were asked, like, if you could produce a show that would embody everything that you've, you write about and things, it would be this show. Exactly. 100%. Um, that's exactly I, I, I mean, I think, I, I think the biggest do. thing about the show is tawakkul. And tawakkul and, and, and learning and that, that, and, well, you know, the victory will come after a lot of patience, you know, and yes. you, see, you have to deserve it and you, you, you'll endure a lot of pain. Just like the, the yeah. hadith of the prophet saying, you know, there'll be a time when holding on to this religion is like holding on to a hot coals. That oh, is yeah. talk, the hadith is talking about holding on to principles. The principles. Yeah, but you know what? You know? Here's the thing. I don't even think about victory so much because for them, it's a duty. If the victory comes, it comes. Yeah. It, it's not. It's not. It's that's not, right. that's that's not a absolute right. goal for them, right? That's Meaning, Allah gives. Don't their goal the is you do the fard. Yeah, their goal is you, you have, have to do the my fard. responsibility. This is the way we're supposed to live. I'm gonna live this way no matter what the outcome is. If right. Allah Whether gives I me victory, yeah. then Allah gives me victory. If not, we know. But uh, but the, uh, yeah, but yeah, at the same time, they have the conviction that Allah gives victory to people that right. are upon righteousness, mm-hmm. right? So so eventually yeah. they'll win, right? But the whole idea that they're not chasing the victory, they're chasing what's right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's You're chasing the pleasure of Allah. Yeah, even their understanding of defeat and good and evil. They even reorient that. Like whenever some calamity happens to them, you find Urtural, like in the last episode, the major thing happened. And Urtural says to his partner, he's like, uh, to Bay, he's like, I need to get the good out of this evil. Otherwise, I will not rest. Like a major calamity happened to the, to the, to the, to the boys. And he's like, I have to get the good out of this evil. It's not like, oh my God, calamity. Oh Allah, please lift this away from us and just kind of sit back and just make dua and dhikr. He was like, he got on his horse and he started to act. It's like there is a good in every evil or perceived evil that happens in the world. And he was after it. And sure enough, by the end of the show, you're like, well, they would have never gotten to where they gotten at the end of the show had it not been for that major evil that happened at the start of it. So, you know, just the perception of world events and things that happen to you and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and relationship with like tribulations that come to you and all of that is being laid out bare in a realistic sense. It's not even dramatized in the show. It's like if you just think like that and act like that, this is how it's going to work out. Right. Do you know of any uh, non-Muslims that may be watching the show? Like if you have colleagues or any, any like is that something, is this a show you'd recommend? Um, I've only had, uh, I recommend it to everybody, but the only, uh, people that I know that 
have said anything to me about watching it that are non-Muslim are just replies on Twitter. Yeah. You know, they just, you know, find they, a, they find it fascinating and stuff and that's it. There's, there's some haters on the Lex.com, the, uh, well, I was surprised that the, you know it was allowed to be on Netflix. I thought you know there would be some type of uh, yeah. no. The reason why it is, made... is because it's not only in Turkey where this is big. Like people in Italy, in France, like they're all over, dude. They're watching the show. Oh, it's, it's in like, Afghanistan, it's, it's just... in Pakistan. It's in no. I'm saying there's non-Muslim countries. It's translated in Urdu. No, but I'm saying for I'm our saying non-Muslim Muslims. countries, dude. Oh yeah. By the way, there has to be more. Turkish and uh, English speakers as well, because I think some of the translations that are done uh, are yeah. terrible from uh, Turkish to English. I know some of the you know, sometimes the, the the masculine, feminine pronouns. Yeah, they did. No, no, that's a joke. That that has no, got to be. No, 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 it's not a joke. That's just him using Google Translate. Yes, yeah, he's using Google Translate. Whoever the translator is, dude, he's translating yeah. like really hard words sometimes. Like no, no, no. Sometimes the entire I didn't even know that word existed, but then he's he's mistranslating niece and nephew every single time. That that indeed that's indicative of him using Google Translate. Yeah, but it's still good. Yeah, I can no, I mean, that. I think I know. I think it, wait, to be fair, I think the translations are followable. I mean, it, you can still understand what's going on. Without a doubt, especially with the context and the energy or the way he's the characters are talking with the yeah. uh, you know with their mannerisms and everything. I mean, I, I don't think I missed what was happening because the translations no. were bad, right? You could still. I mean, I especially oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, some of the poetry is so beautiful. I, 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 I even like that bad with the, oh my god, I'm missing the show. No, I mean, I don't say maybe a few things I noticed, but it wasn't especially like especially if if there's anyone who's from India watching. The show, you'll see how many um, common words there are. I, I don't know which if those words yeah. are actually Persian or actually Turkic yeah, okay. originally, but um, there's a lot of common terminology. Well, keep in mind, these people are Arabic. originally yeah. uh, Persian, like I mean, like the uh, Turkic, like Persian, like so they, they mix with them a lot. So their culture actually ended up becoming very Persianized. So the Seljuk Empire was very uh, Persianized, like from. They were mm. from the Altai Mountain originally, whatever that region, Central, I mean, East Asia, Central Asia, but they actually became more Persianized. And then so that, that culture spread around. So right. their language, even they adopted the Arabic script at that time. Yeah. Right? The, the Seljuk were the first one yeah. to adopt it. Did Ataturk remove the, uh, uh, that, that he script? Latinized. He no, a, they had, he, like, such an amazing thing to do, hey? Right. Yeah. He literally yeah, just they, took they the had, whole alphabet and said, we're going to use English, uh, like Latinized alphabet. Yeah. So, so what, what it was before, they actually used to speak, uh, they had a language, I mean, the Orkan language, which was actually written down in a different format. Like, um, they say, they don't know the exact origin. They say, actually, people say it's a mix between Aramaic and, and, uh, Chinese. Like, they mix it. They read the writing style of it. They're actually preserved tablets, like, in the writing style of the old, wow. the, the, what they call ancient Turkic, right? Um, but then, Around the Seljuk Empire during that time, they actually adopted the Arabic slash Persian script, right? Because right. the Persians also adopted the Arabic script. Right? Yeah. So yes. then, and they also took the language, and there's a lot of loan words in the, because you know, even, um, Farsi today is a bastardized version of Arabic today. It's not, like, original Farsi is like what Dari people speak, like Afghanis, like they speak that compared to what they speak in Tehran, Iran today. It's more like Arabic because it was, um, mixed with the, Persian later on the influence obviously the Arabs there so they mix that with their native language and then obviously and now they mix with obviously the Anatolian language whatever around I, I, I want to add something really interesting to this for the listeners uh, so what happened was um, you if you've heard of Uyghur Chinese Muslims yeah. right so yeah. they're actually Turkic people they're right Turkic, so yeah. what happened was yeah. Christianity was starting to spread amongst these people in you know the pre-1000 CE, you know, uh, Christian era. So, um, 
what happens is you got these this sect of Christianity called Nestorian Christianism. Yeah. And uh bin Nofal, the uncle of Khadija radiallahu anh, uh, uh he's also a Nestorian Christian. And Nestorians, their belief was that um uh Sayyidina Isa al-Islam is not the begotten son of God, mm-hmm. but just the uh, spoken word son of God. Now, they really didn't even believe that. They just knew that the concept didn't make sense, but they didn't want to fight with the whole church and everything, and they didn't want to get slaughtered. So they made some compromised stance, and they uh, became these Nestorian Christians. And the Uyghurs started accepting this Nestorian Christianity, and th- when they saw the weakness in that, they all... They, readily accepted Islam. Uh-huh. And Waraka bin Nofal was actually a Nestorian Christian who readily accepted Mashallah. Islam. because uh, He translated the whole uh, Hebrew uh, 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 Testament into Arabic. So he was so devoted to a sincere cause that when he saw the Prophet, he accepted right away. So that was a trait amongst them. That's uh-huh. very praiseworthy. You know what's amazing about the show, just uh, uh, on like a technical, you know, just artistic point, the detail that the that the um, uh, the producer and the writers have put into making sure to reproduce as authentically as possible the way that these people lived. Right. So they they actually went to tribes, Turkic tribes, and asked them to like just got like the customs made. Uh, had them train uh, the actors on horse riding and how they use the sword and all the fighting that they did. Everything you see in the show is actually been, is a reproduction of training from Turkic tribe members. Yeah, there's no, dude, you know what's scary? There's, there's no like green screen graphics. It's all no, like no, acted out. No green screen. No, yeah, they, they, they actually and ride. The second season with with the Mughals. I was shocked what they did with the Mughals because yeah. they're straight up Mughals. Like you could see, like these are. They got people from that area yeah. to come and play these roles. Yeah. yeah. Dude, they they copied they copied the shaman drums that there's yeah. a so there's a shaman in in season two. And the drums the uh, the drums he uses has they they have certain symbols on them for Tengri worship, which was the religion they followed. Those drums when I was when I was researching Mongolian archives, I found those same exact symbols on Mongolian oh, shaman wow. drums. Yo, I, I'm gonna give a little teaser, but I was so glad when that guy died. <laughs> <laughs> when Turgut lost that axe at him, he was running around. The guy was running. I mean, the whole season that guy was like pure shaitan, dude, like yeah. pure <laughs> devil, dude. It's like it was like symbolic so well, for like the shaitan being acted. What the was head, that? Dude. He acted his role so well. Yeah. Like, he just... It's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, even the animals. Uh, Arturo's horse, yeah. I like. I swear, they he's got acting lessons. <laughs> that horse... Like, this, there's a couple of scenes I was like, there's no way that they didn't even, like, put in effort or some work or some plan to make sure that the horse would react the way that it reacted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that... that like the, just, yeah, they have 40 horses on yeah. set. The sh- the sh- the sh- they int- when they introduce sh- Shaman in the in the season two, that's like the one of the most epic scenes when they come in like in hooded, you know, yeah. and they go into the caravan site and then oh, oh Shaman, yeah yeah okay. and that was just, and then, who that, the hell is yeah. and the crazy thing is I'm not gonna lie, dude. The first time I heard that thing, I'm like, whoa, this is pure devilish. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, dude, like this guy is devil. I kind of like him from him. Like, oh, he's totally savage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then they end up being like a total evil blood, you know. But anyways, but it would. I, I think the person that played that character, 
Oh, uh, well, they. I mean, I think overall the cast is just everyone plays the character well. The yeah. and, and so, so I think good. even if you're not, even if you're not a big history buff or you're not too religious, whatever it is, but the acting is great. The music is great. The cinematography is great. Uh, the message, yeah. the overall message is good. You can't go wrong watching the series. You just can't go wrong with no. it. No. Yeah. Uh, just a word of warning for the the nitpickers. If you're gonna care about like the specifics of history and like oh, Ibn Arabi is not, for, don't watch it. If that's your yeah. the type of person you are, because you're not gonna enjoy the show for what it is. It's a it's a even at the beginning of it, they have this show is inspired. Yeah. By historical events. Yeah, there's a lot so, of legend. Okay, uh, now if, if you wanna know that you know like Turgut and some of the main characters yeah they 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 existed and there were their graves you'll see them and when if you go to uh Turgut has has his own town Turgut Alp no not oh, only yeah? that yeah, yeah, Turgut, uh, there's a whole city named Bamzi there actually a town right now in Turkey of of Bamzi after oh, after Bamzi yeah yeah there's a town cuz remember the one scene where he like oh he like we're going to name this Bamzi he goes oh he goes grabbing his mustache right he goes yeah, right, yeah, and that's yeah. what it is you know and now i got to go to Turkey and and have a yeah. little trip through Konya and all the different cities hey, maybe, that, maybe that might be like a business idea like an Ertuğrul tour oh. he's like all the famous spots Dude, go. there's already that oh really no. Hey, what's that little bizarre, town where Ertuğrul is? Stuff. What was that? Can you repeat There's that? There's a whole bazaar, online bazaar. You can <coughs> buy the hats, you can buy the rings, you can buy like uh, oud, you can buy perfumes, all Plug kai it. stuff. So well, maybe, well, I bought the Kai rings. I'm wearing them on my thumb right now. So maybe you can have Sim like link. I, link uh, it if to anyone him. wants to go on my Instagram, you can check it out. So, so maybe you can send that link to Sim, and he can link it in in the show. I mean, for that little, um, you know, uh, for the, the, the where you can buy the novelties from. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I, I mean, still want the even, hats. I saw there's even I think a British uh, like one of those Muslim clothing co- uh, companies or whatever. I saw something on Instagram where they're like they even have the hats that Ortoro wears and stuff. <laughs> like, no. wow, this is really but, taken over. But you know what, though? Honestly, we have, in, in Hyderabad, we have a hat that's very similar to that. Yeah. yeah. It's ah. actually made of the same fur. Like, they still wear it today. We act, they actually wear it with, like, actually, to be honest, what, for all the Indian listening, what Ertrul is wearing is, uh, essentially is an armored Shirwani. Like, he's, yeah. that's what he's wearing, right? And he's wearing it with, true. like, a little hat. With the, you know, the Molana hat? Yeah. Just wearing, that's what he's wearing, yeah, yeah. dude. And it's crazy because, like, I'm looking, I'm like, dude, honestly, I was telling Sim the other day, you know, I just want to walk around with that outfit on, the sword, and to say, walk around, and say, hey, you know what? You know? I'm waiting to see, and if this doesn't happen, I'm gonna do it myself. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that these people wear, like I would totally like. The, somebody needs to design a fashion line. Yeah, dude, I would rock it on Eid, dude. Okay, I, w- I would rock it on Eid. Okay, so just of to show you, just to demonstrate like how close this relationship is between Hyderabadis and Turkey, I'm gonna uh, take the privilege to narrate a story. My grandma, me and Sim's grandma, our nani, our uh, maternal grandmother, yeah. she was um, kind of like a princess in a, a district called Jungao that is uh, northeast of Hyderabad, India. Hyderabad was the capital city of, of, uh, of the uh, uh, fiefdom or whatever you want to call it, of the Nizams. And... Our ancestors had come from Uzbek, Turkish regions. Um, they knew how to build sewage systems. So they did expert sewage system uh, construction for London, for Britain. And he had uh, with him like two, 300 construction workers that were Uzbek, Turk, mix. And uh, he came on the request of the Nizam to 
build a proper sewage system for the city of Hyderabad. So if you ever go to Hyderabad, Hyderabad doesn't have open drainage. It doesn't have that stinky, nasty water going along the side of the street. It's got like yeah. a sewage system. So our our maternal lineage built that, okay? And wow. And as a payment for that construction, they were given a large sector of a district called Jungao. And so he was a wali essentially. He was a wali and he my grandmother before she died, she told me all the stories that they used to being part they being living in India in the early 1900s, she would pledge baya to uh, Sultan Abdul Majid and wow. uh, Sultan Abdul Hamid. So whenever yeah. I read this in Orientalist books that the baya was com- was not really existent in India and, and these places, my grandmother told me this, that they used to lay flowers on a train in Jungau, and the flowers would go to Hyderabad where the Nizam would further lay flowers as a form of baya and then the train would go to Istanbul and they used to do this every year as a renewal of their pledge and so subhanallah when i when i heard all this and then i asked my grandma you know what happened she said well there were turkish ambassadors from uh Istanbul or Ankara or whatever it was Adrin that used to live in our compound that would um be our official liaison to the khalif and they had told us to evacuate the city and that they were going to lose the power to the British. And her father, the Wali, thought this was impossible. The system of Islam could never vanish the way it has. And this is my, my, my own grandma is telling me this, that her father rejected the official ambassador's uh, request and plea to come back to Turkey, take your family. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. My grandma, she finished the story. She said that uh, um, they lost everything. after. As soon as her father died, um, their compound got surrounded by a bunch of opportunists and um, everything got raided and stolen and whatever. And they had to um, leave by ox cart, you know, under a bushel of hay uh, uh, in the middle of the night and escape to Hyderabad. So, the, you know, this is not even, this is like 100 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a hundred years ago. This is my grandma telling me this story. This stuff is real. It's in our hearts, you know? And yeah, yeah. yeah. for people to just deny it, it's, that, that's it's, true. No, it's I mean, ludicrous. And that's what I'm trying to say. For people who are from, especially from Hyderabad, from that descent, there's a strong parallel with like the Turkish. And like I said, even in the beginning of the show, Sim mentioned, like we would have regularly the Ottoman Sultan come to Hyderabad because, you know, their princesses married the rulers of Hyderabad, right? Like Nilofor and another couple other princesses married. Even Mukarram Jan was a, a, a descendant of a product of a, a Hyderabadi king and a Turkish princess, right? And so that's what, they were royalty. Their daughters are even their daughter. He actually married two more Turkish princesses, Ezra, Princess Ezra, and they, they, their daughter's Turkish. They actually live in Turkey, right? They actually have yeah. claim to this area. I think so, Sim is going to be Simbe now. Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. But yeah, so that, that, that's uh, Sim's new name now, called Simbe. You know? Yeah, so I mean, is, uh, like I said, anybody that wants to read that, the information is readily available on in the internet about the relationship between the Nizams. Of, and by the way, the idea of Nizam came from the whole Turkic setup, like Nizam and Wali and, and, and like, um, you know, all these ideas. Basically, these were the Omara, if you understand the oh, Arabic, the Omara of these areas. They would call them Nizam and, um, things like that. And so this is how the whole, the whole setup of even the Indian kingdoms was based off of this whole system. 
Sure. Crazy. Wow. So, Mohammed, I know you did a podcast recently on physical fitness. We were joking <laughs> the other day about like how Turgut Alp is like the ideal Muslim like <laughs> avatar for oh, Muslim God. guys. That everyone's <laughs> yeah. goal should be to look like Turgut Alp. Maybe not. You might not have the hair for it, but like you know, Simon Erfaner like goal. that's the goal now. Hair challenged, but <laughs> yeah, he, he as far he, as being he, jacked though, as far as like actually muscular, right? You know, can you imagine all oh, Muslim dudes like? Were Jack like Turgut Alp or even or even Bumsy or like Dugan? Right? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I you wish know? I wish that was our situation, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's like that biryani and stuff is too real. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, these people the way they live their lives and and it's just I think partly also you know having to ride horses all the time and <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have ridden horses before or not, but it's not you're not just sitting. There's no shots you have, on you, you have to use your core to balance yourself. Not just balance, like the how you get the horse to walk versus to trot versus yeah. to run or whatever. Like you're actually running with the horse. Like if you watch them doing it, and I've gone to ride a horse a couple of times, so it's there is work involved in riding a horse. You're not just sitting and then just kind of smacking it and telling it to go. Yeah. It's not like a donkey. Um, so they they had a they were very active people. Um, and even now you see videos of uh, the actor who plays Torgotel. He's always doing like his workouts and stuff and people are just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish it's – here's something that I, I, I hate saying but it's kind of sad. <coughs> I can almost tell when I see somebody like just ethnically speaking, you could tell like, yeah, that's probably a Muslim. But also physically speaking, you could tell that's a Muslim. You mean uh, like – They're out of shape? The gate is <laughs> – out of shape. It's like, a defeated gate. A, a, out of shape but in a, in a different way. There's like a way of being an out of shape Muslim. And I don't like it. What do you it's mean? It's like you could tell the effects of the mansaf and the kapsa and like, you know, the biryani. You could tell the effects on the body. And it's oh, just yeah. too much of it. It's like skinny so, fat look? Where you like you have... Yeah, it's like a skinny fat look. It's just not good. It's not... Yeah. I don't know. It, you read the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, like that's not the physique he had. People talk about the sunnah so much and the beard and the and the thobe and the jalaba or whatever. Come on, man. Physically speaking, at least do the sunnah. <laughs> Prophet ﷺ never had a gut. Yeah. Right. So D- before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. I would say just um, uh, try not to ruin your life when you get hooked on the show because it is like crack. Yeah. So how are you doing that now? Like, so you it's I, I assume you still had to catch up when medical school started. Right. Did you or did you? Yeah. So I just I timed myself. So I just like I, I when medical school started. It was one episode a week after that until I got caught up. Oh, you see, okay. Mahin just got yeah. a uh, Mahin just got a spanking, by the way. Uh, he, he his wife was is not ups, not very happy with him <laughs> for uh, for his addiction. Yeah, I, well, so it was like last week was like was it last week or two weeks ago? It was Thanksgiving weekend here, the long weekend, and uh, I ended up uh, I had to work in the morning. I came back home, and she thought I had Arabic class, and then I canceled it because I wanted to watch Ertugul. I, I was it was a TA, it was tutoring session, one on one. And then, like, I I was watching, he goes up there, and she's like, hey, like, can you clean the office up, like, so someone else can use it, you know, and in general, but she's been, I, I know, like, I, I, I've been married eight years now, so I, I know my wife's upset. She doesn't necessarily have, like, she can just, like, walk by without me even, like, yeah. looking at me, and you and you know, like, she's really yeah, pissed, yeah. right? <laughs> and I know, and I, and I, and I, I own up to it. I'm like, you know what, it's probably because of this show. Uh, but uh, I heard Irfan was, like, delinquent on bills. Is that true, oh, or was that you said you were, you almost got fired from work? 
Something, you told me something. No. Like two months, your productivity just died. Dude, I, oh, my productivity honestly, at work like, went. Yeah, because I was uh, staying up watching until like one thirty. <laughs> I was like, oh my, my brother-in-law is doing that too now. Like, because I got him hooked as well. Yeah. Um, and he's in bad shape as well. <laughs> you're, you're just gonna have to really like just give yourself a block of time and just tell yourself this is all I'm gonna do. So we need like an intervention or something, like an intervention. Yeah, because it's it's that. The way the show is designed, you know, did you guys know that they only film uh, like this week's episode, this coming week's episode is going to be delayed because they apparently film the show epi- uh, week by week. Oh, and the okay. way they do it, they make adjustments to the script based on uh, viewership uh, reactions to the previous episode. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So That's like crazy. this episode, they had a fire in the, in the set this last <laughs> week. So they didn't release a, a, a an ad, a trailer for this uh, next, next week's episode. And uh, the actor that plays Arturo came out and said there was a fire and it burned some of the costumes and that takes time to redo. So they're going to have to delay it. But they filmed the episodes apparently on a week-to-week basis based on reactions and feedback from audience uh, to the previous week. That's insane because like the amount yeah. of production and editing, that's almost like a two-hour show. So it's like a movie. It's a two. It's like a movie, right? Yeah, it's a movie. Well, yeah, because like the shows in real, they're two hours, right? The actual shows. Yeah, the actual shows two hours, but I think they spend about ten hours a day on set filming. Wow. So these so, actors aren't. They can't do any other movies or shows. No, you right can now. see they've aged on their face. Like it's only a three-year-old show, but yeah. you see the aging on their face. Like yeah, the Arthur actor, he's for sure by season oh my, three. He's got eye bags yeah, season three. He by looks, season three, he looks like worn out. Yeah. Did you notice yeah, that too? You could tell he's like he's living the life. Yeah. 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 In season one, he's got like a plump, you know, face. Young face. And uh, by season three, he's just like his his face looks like it's been sunburned. Dundar, Dundar was like he he grew up too, man. No, Dundar yeah. is a new actor. Yeah. Dundar oh, is a new actor yeah, 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 season three. Amazing. I was gonna say he he like what this kid grew up, bro. He got mustache, beard. <laughs> no, no, that's a, like three years. Wow, that's Poo- a whole new actor. Puberty did him beard. good. Yeah. Man. it by the fourth season. What was that? Like you can tell, Turgut. Yeah, his beard. It's like it's a bit graying now. Oh, really? In the fourth, yeah, the yeah. yeah but season. you know what? Erturul's beard was bigger in the first season, and it kind of trimmed down the second season. And I think now it's coming back. Like, yeah, I think it happened to Ibn Arabi too. Ibn Arabi's beard looked a little shorter in one of the shows. Hey, uh, Muhammad, they what do you... it by season? They do it by um, by uh, by the climate. So in the winter time, just if you take note, when it's cold, their beards are bigger. What did when you it's think? Summertime, they trim. What did you think about his uh, Mario Tricocci or like his Italian designer uh, haircut? In the beginning of season two, I was, like, was kind of confused by that. To be honest, <laughs> and I, yeah, oh yeah, well his bangs look really long and it was like so oh, he's got over. like the feathered hair. With yeah, like yeah, the, it was like yeah. I, I think I think it was worry. a process. It's, his hair gets long and then they just do it in a braid and it's fine. I, 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 I saw I the think, braid look in the trailer, so no, that I sick. think that this is. I mean, actually, him just growing his hair out. It's just symbolizing him growing his hair out because in season three he's got his braids out, and it's yeah. kind of weird because. Uh, it's almost like I kind of like the braids because kind of like a symbol of that, like that kind of Turkic Mongol type of, you know, like that. Yeah. Like, like, no, like Noyan's got that, like those, yeah, those yeah. crazy, that crazy hair going. Noyan had like that straight yeah. Asian hair, dude. Yeah, right? like a straight, it was finesse. It was like a blade of hair, like grass, right? Right. So it was like it was. A, but he, by the way, since you brought his name, Noyan, like, dude, they couldn't have picked a better actor for that. Dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> no kidding, huh? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah plus something else. Yeah, like I, I think the other. Um, my wife and I, we play this games. If you can like 
be a person like we we ask you just questions. There's an app you can use where you just like ask you the random questions. It's like a yeah. game, and then so there's a question about who could you be if you could be someone else for 24 hours. Who would it be? And like now that Mort mentioned it, I want to be Noyan because you you see his harem, <laughs> his harem, <laughs> his harem, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, like dude, you see, like like some of those women were like, Woo-hoo! <laughs> I was like, like like yeah, I bet so where I'm at right now, probably the best looking girl I've seen in that show is one of the girls from Nor- Noyan's Har- 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 yeah, Halima no, Sultan, Halima Sultan all day, nah, dog, I would say Goche over Halima Sultan. <laughs> Halima Sultan. Yeah, I think Goche or Halima Sultan. By the fourth season, like the way that she develops her character, yeah, and plays her role as Ortulo's wife, yeah, she becomes like the tribe's, um, like she's the Sultan's wife. You could see it now, like the way that she is. Yeah, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I, I was telling Tim that the other day. I'm like, you know, what? she developed. Like, I didn't like her role too much in the beginning. It was kind of weird. But now, like in season three, it's like well, you she was a bad actor as the character, and like yeah. you can tell that yeah, she's establishing her 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 role as like the hot like I mean like you know like the mother of that tribe, you know what I mean? Yeah, like she's taking yeah. that serious, you know. And um, I, I think as an actor, she developed too. Like re- I mean, in real life, as an actress, she developed over the, by the third season. Right. Like, Here's a question: better. How come Otago doesn't marry Goche as a second wife? I, I think he does. I think they, sister, they talk dude. about that in the, on the show that that uh, the the practice of polygamy is not a common practice among the Turks. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, he looked at her like a sister. Yeah, there, yeah there's a, yeah. there's another important theme to the show that that touches. There's something called Atolian law that was like some kind of weird. It was like some kind of it was O's traditions that were kind of mixed with Islam that these people had. And Arthurul and his descendants, Orhan, and uh, uh, ultimately uh, Suleiman the Magnificent, they completely, not completely, but they got rid of that in the whole structure of, of the way it they operated. It was still cultural to them. It was still it cultural. Was cultural. They, they didn't say it was law, but it was considered a'ib for them. Like in Arabic, you say a'ib, it's like, oh, strange. But but they didn't do that. So, I mean, technically... No, remember when they refused, they, they stopped the guy from leaving the tribe? They they tried to stop the tribe from leaving, Breaking saying up. that we're going to use the, the tribal law to stop and um Kirkwood Bay says the Atolian law it's my right to take the revenge so they had this they yeah. had some junk concepts go for concepts yeah. from Atolian law that uh, uh Orhan his descendant really Orhan is uh, the uh, the second caliph after Usman yeah mm-hmm. not caliph Muhammad is the first caliph yeah, These I mean, the just, just I mean, the way that fifteen hundred they get the what, what they say is like the founder of the Uthmani right, Khilafat right, is right, Usman, right. and then came Orhan, right. and so on. Yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, let's let's wrap this puppy up. Um, I, I, I know Muhammad. We were supposed to talk about veganism, but I guess Urtugal <laughs> came into play. Since I know you gave, I, I remember you one of your podcasts. You you talked about like I think I mentioned it, and then you said like bring it on. How could you be no, a vegan no. after watching Earth to I, Rule, I man? said you want to ride that train. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll, so we'll table this because this can go on for another half hour. Yeah, no, because yeah, there's a yeah, bunch yeah. of stuff we we gotta do another because like I, I want to talk and it's also Rabbi, I, I want to talk to you about Molid too, but like we don't have time right now. <laughs> yeah, we're we're completely out. Did you talk? Did you do a Molid show on your podcast on your show? Yeah, I really a while back. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, so from yeah. last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, yeah. Just briefly, like it's. I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal for people to 
I don't think even Salafis care anymore. There's very few. People don't want to fight about everything. It's so pointless, dude. I don't think, dude, I'm too busy watching Earth Rule, dude. I'm, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. No. busy, dude. I, like, I don't know. I just... I just want Netflix to chill. You can learn to how to love the Prophet ﷺ just even from the behavior of Ratul. The yeah. way that he reacts yeah. when the message of ﷺ is mentioned. Right. Right. I want that back. Yeah, I want Absolutely. I want us to to have that that reverence. Like, you that, can tell yes. like when they mentioned Rasulullah, like, they grab their heart. Yeah, like they like they, yes. like, they like out of honor, right? It means right. something. Like like it like that name meant something to them. Like like, and you know what? To be honest, that's not even um. This is a sub. I, I'm gonna make this real quick, but you know, even traditionally, even like for example, some of the 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 the, the scholars of Hadith when they would narrate the uh, the. The hadith, a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they would actually go in, take a shower, make ghusl, put their clothes yes. on, put their yeah, atar and ud on, mm-hmm. and they would then narrate hadith because they, the, even the words of Rasulullah were so important to them. They didn't want to disrespect that. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I feel like the people who are trying to, I mean, look, I don't, whether you agree with Mawla or you don't, it doesn't really matter, but the point is that we still, we still should have the respect, the utmost respect for Rasulullah in every way we can, mm-hmm. right? We should never shy away from that, you know what I mean? And I think that's really exactly. cool when we watch the show. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, uh, Dr. Muhammad Gilan, Jazakallah Khair for coming hey, on uh, one more time. Hey, well, uh, Gilan, I, hope, hey. I hope this did not turn people away from the show. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 this is kind of a niche episode in a way, but 40% is still a high number. 40% of our listenership listening to it. Yeah, uh, yeah out of 600 replies uh, you know, on Facebook. And I, I, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Abbas Kasimov. He's, uh, I guess we're Facebook friends with him. I guess he's always like... Showing like random Turkish hadras and like yeah. trailers for random stuff, and I was like, so he's the one. So I actually watched Ertegrel, I think a few months ago, one show, and then I I didn't really get hooked. But then Abbas keeps plugging it, right? I and on his Facebook, and I just like finally watched the sixth season episode two and three. I was like, let me watch three shows at once, and then I was hooked after that. Yeah. So, so hey, I, before um, since Sim, uh, Mahin and Sim give a special shout out, I want to give a special shout out to all the haters that want to get me kicked off the show. Uh, <laughs> look, guys, if people saying that I'm racist and all this stuff, I think everybody. I mean, Mort has one black friend, don't you know? Yeah, I got lots of black friends. No, I'm saying, but anyways, <laughs> listen, the point is that it's not about that. Okay, just be careful. You know, uh, honestly, look, um, me and Sim and 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 and, and Sheikh Amr and you know. Mahi now, but I mean, I, we go back long enough. At least I know it was Tim and Amer, and and so <laughs> I'm not leaving the show, guys. All right, just just uh, there's no. I don't mean to offend anybody if you get offended by stuff, but I have my opinion, and I I don't think opinions should, um, you know, always be one way. Right? People have difference of opinions, and we should you know accept that. I don't I don't force you guys to accept mine, and I don't want to be forced to accept yours. Right? So we can agree to disagree. And that's one of the things why we started the show. If you listen to our earlier episodes. We started the show so we can have a dialogue about things and we can walk away agreeing to disagree without having animosity. All right. I don't want to, I don't have animosity to anybody who has a different uh, idea than me or a different opinion than me. Right. I welcome that. Right. We need those. We, we're not a monolithic people. Right. We have different ideas. And that's one thing you can also take away from the show that there's not only one way of doing things. Right. People have different opinions, different ways, but we just got to make it work. Right. So stop trying to kick me off. Just listen to me. You don't like it. Don't take it. You know, I don't take your opinion. You don't take mine. It's all good. I'm not leaving. Just, you know, chill. All right. With that being said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sh- shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. All right. Well, <laughs> if, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at themadmumlukes at gmail.com. Uh, if you can follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, and then give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe. Uh, for our special guest, Dr. Muhammad Gilan, and my 
guest co-host Irfan and my other co-hosts Sim and Mort. This is Mahin signing off. Assalamualaikum. 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 Assalamualaikum.